Welcome to the Two Tobies podcast. On the mic is Corey. Um, and here, my host with me is Toby Walker. Hello, my name is Toby Walker, and welcome to a new week. Yes, welcome to a new week. It's been a couple weeks since we since we did this. Um, a lot has happened since the last time we talked. A lot. Uh, the last time we talked, I think we were talking about... Do you remember what topics um, that we touched on? We were talking about cancel culture, Harper's, yes. and... The Harper's Bazaar um, letter. Uh-huh. Letter for... Um, I think it was open... Uh, for, open for justice and, and open debate. Uh, yeah. Um, and here we are. Several weeks later, RBG died. Yep. For those that don't know, RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg... Uh, she was a very iconic figure in American politics. Um, she started out from the humble beginnings in New York. Uh, I think she started out a very working class family, and she worked her way up to the highest courts in the land yeah. and became a Supreme Court a Supreme Court Justice. Supreme Court yeah. Justice, uh, one of the nine. Um, and I think she's she was a second lady. Yeah, she was she, a second lady. Second lady. Um, for those that don't know, she was a very, very pivotal figure in in getting a lot of um, uh, women's rights uh, laws in place. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very, 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 very key in that. She fought a lot of those battles, um, and she started. Like I said, she she kind of rose through the ranks, and she 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 excelled at what she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is considered one of the, I guess, liberal-leaning judges, mm-hmm. which is why it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know... She was ahead of, um, like, just like interject, like, on the court. Yeah. Even though people, like, like say the court, quote-unquote, is impartial, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. She she basically was, like, the head of the liberal wing. Of the liberal wing. Yeah, so... And her, I guess, the, the her counterpart would have been Scalia, right? Yes. Before he died. Yes, before he died. Who was kind of like, he kind of like ran the, the yeah. conservative side. Yeah. But they were friends. Yeah. Apparently they were friends. Extremely close friends. Yes. And let me just add. Yes. If both of them could be friends, they could go, they, they could go to operations together, you know, yeah. they could go to events together, go on vacations together. Yes. There is no reason why any of us should hit one another over yes. political views. It really, like, you know, like they were at the, Far ends of the political spectrum when it yes. came to their politics and their ideology. And I'll also add, like, all the decisions they were making and things like that, like, had profound and far-reaching implications on the whole country. Yes. But all of us who argue... We have no... We really exactly. <laughs> all we have is a vote. Exactly. They, That's all. They, they, re- they really did have power. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And they made up, what, like uh, one-ninth or, I guess, two-ninths of, of, th- of the third branch of government, True. essentially. <laughs> so, and they were still able to get along. I'm glad you brought that up because you're very right about that. They were still able to be cordial with each other. Exactly. And have respect for one another despite how much they disagreed. Exactly. But I bring up RBG because this is like a this is like a another crazy twist and turns a twist a crazy twist and turn for 2020. And we've had many. Um, starting with beginning of this year. Uh, we had the impeachment that the Democrats put in place. That ended up not 
obviously not going forward. They weren't able. To, they impeached him, yeah. but it wasn't. They weren't able to take him out of office. Trump, that is. <clears throat> like that wasn't crazy enough. What happened next to me? And then we had um, Ahmed Arbery in Georgia. No, nope, no, nope. COVID. COVID came first. Oh, was it uh, Ahmad? Yes, because that was around February. You're right, you're wrong. right. Ahmad. Ahmad came, came. Even though COVID had started, but the public yeah. didn't know of it yet. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, Ahmad Arbery happened, and that was where it had already started. Like It was like a pressure cooker, almost, at that point. Things yeah. were already kind of boiling over when it came to race tensions. Because mm-hmm. that was seen as one of those really unjust killings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then COVID came. COVID came. Pandemic hit. The worst that we've seen in the last hundred years. Um, devastated businesses, devastated people, killed thousands of lives. Hundreds of thousands. We're at 200,000 at this point, right? We passed yep. 200,000 mark. 200,000. So COVID came, and then what happened after? And then George Floyd came. George Floyd. And all hell broke Brokeless. Everything has just been turned to shit ever since. And our political landscape has gotten even more toxic. It's gotten even more divided. It's gotten more, I don't even know what other words to use, but it's, it's not pretty. And fast forward to last week, last week, Friday, I believe. Yes, Friday, if I'm not wrong. The announcement. What, where were you when, when you heard the announcement? And what was your first reaction Okay. when you heard RBG died? Let me actually say the whole story. I was actually working on an application for something. Yeah. And for some reason, I decided to check Facebook because Facebook distracts everyone. Yes. And I saw a notice on my Facebook, which indicated that, you know, someone flagged my name and I was like, what? And then I checked and the person said, we have a winner here. And basically what happened was um, sometime last year, I believe on the 29th of December last year. Yeah. Someone like, posted a message on, on Facebook and said, any celebrity death predictions for this year? Mm-hmm. And I said, RBG. What? You did? Yeah. <laughs> what made you say that? Um, she, she had been cancer. She has been having health issues for a while. Mm-hmm. And there has been so much talk about, is she going to survive till the end of Trump's term or even Trump's mm-hmm. whole eight years? Yeah. And just knowing everything around, like, the following she had, the kind of, you know, celebrity around her name and things like that, that was something that just came to mind. I was like, there's a chance she might not make it through. Really? 2020. Now, now let's keep in mind, right? Mm-hmm. RBG, they, they, it was said that she had considered leaving during Obama's administration. Is that, is that correct? Uh, okay. oh, was that a rumor? Actually, let me actually explain what happened during the Obama's ad- administration. Like, during the, if you remember during the Obama's administration, the Republican Party took control of the Senate, I believe, in the midterms of 2014. Yes. And people told RBG, I believe like in 2012, 2013, that things are still safe right now. Yes, and that, that you can leave. Leave right now. Wow, there's a Democrat Senate, mm-hmm. a Democrat president, mm-hmm. so that you know he can change, you know, who will who will take over from you. Yes. And she basically said no. And obviously what And what was her reason? Was it because she wanted she she thought uh, the people are speculated that she thought 
Clinton was going to be the next exactly. president, and she wanted to be picked by a by, by the by, first female president. Exactly, she wanted the first female president to pick her. I mean, no offense to the dead or anything, but that was such a poor calculation. I mean, absolutely. Obviously, twenty twenty is hindsight, but I mean, like, but still, absolutely. Like one thing I would also say, and this is kind of going off on a tangent here, and mm-hmm. once I say this, we should quickly go back on track. Is mm-hmm. even as much as around the two thousand and twelve. 2013 time yeah obviously no one could possibly see all the political developments that have taken place since then yeah in terms of bernie sanders in terms of donald trump yeah even i myself as far back as then i could tell that the next few years went very predictable so like let me give a solid example yes in 2012 shortly after obama won Mm re-election he used an executive order to do daca Yes. And I remember at that time, one of the things I said was, as much as I feel that, yes, something needs to be done for the kids who were brought here. Yes. I felt that, like, the whole technique for going about doing DACA is fundamentally wrong. Even, it, it wasn't constitutional. Yes, and, and he admitted even it. Even Obama said 20 times that I do not have the power and then woke he up said, one, one morning and said. And, and, and for those that aren't as, I guess, you know, politically savvy or whatever, can you explain what what you mean by it, it wasn't consti- it wasn't constitutional what he did can, can you explain okay. exactly okay. what he did with daca okay to begin with daca i believe is called de- um deferred action for childhood arrival so yes. like the whole idea is simplified people, people who came to this ki- to this country as kids with illegally. parents who were, who came illegally yes will get like a kind of of um, amnesty exception whereby they'll be regularized and things like that and yes i know that like they tried using the whole legislative routes to yes. actually enact deca and even as far back as 2010 and it fell by i believe like three votes two or three votes or something yes. and deca wasn't done and what obama decided to do despite 20 times before that point because people have actually counted, counted this then it's like yeah. 20 or 22 times yeah that's what i'm saying that i do not have the power he signed an executive, executive order. Exactly, basically implementing DACA. And also to give some background, the way the government works and is it's meant to work, and mm-hmm. we would also touch on this while talking about RGB, is basically Congress is meant to either pass laws yes. or change the laws which already exist. Yes. And the president and the executive branch, their job is to execute the laws. Yes. So that's but then, where, in this case, Obama was the one exactly and essentially passing the law. Exactly, and I remember back then, one thing I actually said was, "Guys, you do not know who's going to be president in the next eight years." Fast and fast forward. And if they have your names on paper, fast they forward. know where to come and find you. Yep. You guys are not being like, I can bet like like if we should probably go back into my Twitter history. Yeah. You probably can, can can find me. You know. Basically, you know, warning against this. Exactly, and but he went through with it. Yeah, he went through with it, and fast forward, Trump got in office. Trump has been on an executive order spree. Yeah, and <laughs> he's been passing all kinds of law, and, and then he's challenged DACA because what he wants to do is he wants to remove DACA because DACA is in place, right? So mm-hmm. I think they they challenged it. They went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said. They acknowledge that, yeah, you guys may have a point, but you're not arguing the right point. 
and they sent it back. They said, no, we're not going to remove it. That if you're going to remove it, you need to come up with like a more, um, I guess, something to replace it or at least something to ensure or something along those lines. But essentially, yeah. they, they challenged it and the Supreme Court sent it back. Mm-hmm. Now, I think they're going to challenge it again. No, if, if I'm not wrong, what the ruling actually said is, you guys are actually right yes. to remove DACA. It's within your power. But the ruling said something like, the method you guys have yeah, it was the used method. It was to the do method. this is, is wrong. So yeah. please go back, go and, back and, and do things and do properly. It again. Yes. So which simply means like, for example, if Trump should win again, like he's probably going to get it right. It's yeah. almost like they, they were kind of like winking to him that, okay, you guys, you guys got something here, but you know, do your homework essentially. Exactly. So that's so that's part of what's at stake. Daka. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up. What else is at stake with with the courts being left with eight judges right now? Um, another issue is um, there is the potential that like decisions brought before the courts yes might be split decisions. So for yes. example, four four. So like for example, um, if it if a case should come from the from the appeals courts. Mm-hmm. And I believe they call it a split in the uh, in the appeals court system, whereby yes. one like one appeals court, like I don't know, like let's say the eighth appeals court, yeah, says one law is constitutional. Yes, another let's say the second appeals court says it's unconstitutional. Unconstitutional. On on the same topic, it means that there's a split, and yes. what happens is the Supreme Court yes has to have the final say, and yes. if the Supreme Court itself is split when things like that come up. It simply means that the law will revert revert back to what it was before. The before, thing. yes, yes. So now let's talk about like something very critical and what everyone's talking about. Mm-hmm. There is the whole you know elections coming up. Yes, and people feel the elections might be contested. Yes, now, if and, it, and it, it most likely will be, yeah. especially if there is million balance. Exactly. So now, if the Supreme, like if if the election is contested, like. In the year two thousand, yes, and you only have its judges on the courts. Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, it means that there might be a split decision, yes. and it's things like that that you know maybe a split decision. Yes, that, that complicates everything. Yes. So, what they're saying now is Trump is probably going to nominate somebody. Yes, but the Democrats are saying in Obama's last term, right? Mm-hmm. The Republicans refused to pass, to even see Obama's nomination, to even interview him. Mm-hmm. They didn't even allow it. And their justification was that, well, we're in an election year. Um, and I guess, and they said there's precedence for this, right? Mm-hmm. They said we're in an election year, and as a result, we have to let the people decide. And we have to let, we have to see where we end up after the election. Mm-hmm. And then we can considered judges. And now, there's been some back and forth. Some people say the precedence is based on the presidency and the Senate being split between two parties. Mm-hmm. This year, we have the presidency and the Senate the same party. party. Yeah, true. They're not going to pass up on that. You, now, the Democrats are arguing that, well, because we did that for Obama, right, then we should have the same precedence and, and respect the, the people to make that decision. The problem with that argument is that with both the presidency and the Senate having the power, the decision was already made four years ago. Like, 
Let me let me actually add something here, and okay. this is kind of key for people to understand real context where yes. this open is coming from. Mm -hmm. A couple of days ago, I was scrolling through YouTube, and since the beginning of this year, I believe it's called um, PBS has been running a whole bunch of documentaries, even before the whole George George Floyd and all the protests. Yeah. Just talking about how divided the country is right now. And in the latest iteration and series, there is there's like a new um, PBS documentary called Supreme Reve Revenge. Yeah. And ironically, that thing was released a couple of weeks before RBG died. And the whole premise is, in a sense, people must kind of understand where things are coming from. Yeah for us to understand why we're, where we are right now. I'm gonna throw out something. One thing which many people never really talk about is the whole dysfunctional system around how Supreme Court judges, judges are chosen yes. lies on the laps of Joe Biden. How so? Okay, in 1987, yes. President Reagan nominated um, someone to the Supreme Court called Mm -hmm. Robert Bork. Okay. And anyone who knows Robert Bork, Robert Bork is the one, is basically the person who develops the philosophical arguments for what conservatives call originalism okay. in the 1970s. And even like how... And for, for those, don't let's, don't let's speak above people's yeah. Originalism is when people interpret the Text. Constitution as what it was meant yeah, for exactly. when the Constitution was written versus interpreting the Constitution in a more active, well, I guess in, 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 in kind of like in a more progressive way where, yeah. where you're interpreting it to match the times that we're in now. Exactly. And those are the two philosophies on yes. how you approach the Constitution. Originalism and what, what's the other one? Um, called? It's called the Living Constitution. Living, okay, yes. And also, Robert Bork is like... His actual background is antitrust. Yes. And with everything going on with um, all these big platforms and things like that, mm -hmm. Robert Bork is actually the one who develops the current antitrust paradigm. Yeah. So Robert Bork isn't some, you know, unqualified person. Mm -hmm. But what happened during that whole nomination is Democrats held the Senate and they scuttled the Bork nomination. And... Democrats held the Senate. Who was the president at the time? President Reagan was the president. Oh, and, and it was and, split. And, jo and, and Joe Biden was the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee. What? Yes. And basically... Interesting. I didn't know that. And basically... So they, they did this yes, already. Yes. And basically... So Robert Burke never got... Bork, the nomination. Bork's then was scuttled. Well, was this his Reagan's first or second? Second term, eight to seven. Oh, and, but then Bush came in right after. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in okay. a second. And here is a key thing. Before the Bork hearings of eight to seven, mm -hmm. it was understood that it, it was the prerogative of the president to nominate whoever they want to nominate to the Supreme Court. No one yes. really fought over it. It was just formality of making sure that the person is qualified and, you know, going. Yes. The year before Bork was nominated, I believe in 86, mm -hmm. the Justice Scalia, who died, yeah. equally went through the whole process. In many ways, we can, we can even say that Scalia was probably even a more hardcore originalist than yeah. Bork. Yeah. But basically, the whole Senate yeah. allowed Scalia to pass through. His nomination vote was like 96 to 0 or something. Yeah. And... 
Joe Biden actually voted for Scalia. Yeah. Okay. And in a change of one year, mm-hmm. that whole process became very toxic. And so wait, you're telling me the Democrat Senate at the time blocked the no- Reagan's nomination? Yes. And that was the first time it had happened. The dirty way in which that thing happened was the first time that thing ever happened. It shocked everyone. Interesting. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So you're telling me this trend of not there of, is a history of when the there is, it started with Biden. Yes, there Ain't is a, that something. There is a history to this whole thing. Like people just posting things online, I shake my head. People have no clue what they're posting about. It began with Biden. So it began with Biden. But that was but that was in the case when there's a there's a presidency that's held by one party and the Senate is held by the other, right? Yes. And because those are the only two de- no, decision makers when it comes to nominate, like, nominating justices, right? But like, here's the thing: before all that began under Biden, yeah, they happened multiple times whereby a president is different from whoever holds the Senate, and they still allow. They still allow. They still allow. Exactly. Okay. So I mean, that's basically what happened. And then fast forward to the year 1991. Yeah. There, there, was, there was also the Clarence Thomas hearings. Oh, yeah, that was that was messy. Joe Biden was also the one in charge. Yeah, he was. And then you then had the Kavanaugh hearings. Oh. So basically, there is a whole terminology called Borkin. It means you try and sink a candidate. Now, here's the... Here's wait, 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 wait. Tell me what, what, what does... What, what's Borkin? No, Borkin. Like, Borkin. When they say Borkin, yeah. it, it means sink his nomination. For example... For, for political reasons, yes. essentially. For example, Thomas and this guy, Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. they were trying to bork them. They survived borking. That was what, like, actually, Kavanaugh said it very explicitly mm-hmm. when he was, like, crying during his examination that yeah. what's going on is they are trying to bork him. Mm-hmm. So, now, in this, like, PBS um, new so documentary... Then, so then Garland got borked, essentially. Yeah, in as... They didn't try, but then, but then they didn't. Even, but that's thing. They didn't even. They, they never. No, no. Borkin in Borkin involves impugning people's reputation. Reputation. But they never got. To but that they stage. never got to that stage with yeah. Garland. Yeah. And, ah. And here, here is here. Wow. Here, okay. Here is a key part you really need to understand. In this PBS documentary called Supreme Revenge, which I stumbled on, mm-hmm. there was a very young Kentucky senator. It was a freshman called Mitch McConnell, mm. who was looking at everything. And basically, the whole idea is that whole experience radicalized him. (laughs) (laughs) The chickens came home to roost. So basically, like McConnell today is basically doing revenge. He's like, yo, I've seen this joint, man. I've seen, I saw all this stuff happen in front of me. And I would also add something like why, like the whole um, nomination process is so contentious and I feel it's something people really need to understand. Yeah. In America, they tell us theoretically that, hey, the way government happens is you have a Congress which passes laws, yeah. a president which executes the laws, yeah. um, a court which interprets the laws. That's kind of wrong. Today in America, Congress isn't involved in governance. Yeah. Where government in America takes place is in the courts and in administrative agencies. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's where government takes place. Like yeah. the whole thing of there's a Congress, Congress is all a show and a shell. Yeah. Like, so basically everyone understands that whoever controls the courts 
controlling you are basically controlling how policy is done in this country. Yes. That's why this whole process is it's getting so much more contentious. Exactly. And it, and it's probably also as a result of the fact that our politicians are are becoming more and more beholden to people outside of the constituents and more to exactly. corporate interests. Absolutely. And that and you know that problem has only progressively gone worse. Mm -hmm. So as a result, it, it the the legislation is just they just and, there they just figureheads essentially. I would also add something like one thing like like Democrats are actually saying is that like if Donald Trump goes ahead and fills the courts, what they're actually going to do is they're going to try pack the courts. And yeah, and by packing the courts, what they really mean right is add additional. Justice. Justices. Yeah. So and and, and 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 when they say that, what that signals to me is they've conceded that look, these guys are gonna get away with this. Because they are gonna nominate yeah. their, their president, uh, their yeah. the SCOTUS. Mm -hmm. Um the person who is being considered right now is Amy Coney Bar Barrett. Yeah. Um she is also an originalist. She clerked under Scalia. Scalia. Uh so and she's a Catholic also. Yeah. I mean they I've been seeing some smears coming out about her. They're probably going to try to bork her too, right? At this point, they they're going to bork anybody that, sh that shows up. At this point, it's, it's, a, it's a scorched earth, 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 earth approach earth for yeah. everything. Yeah. Anyone that gets in the center of this political divide we have right now is is toast. Exactly. Their reputation regardless is toast. The very they're calling her a crazy speaking in tongues lady. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they started I started and, seeing that. No, no. Well, like there is something key I must really touch on in this whole courts, courts parking thing. Yeah. What everyone kind of figures is that if they should try to pack the courts, it will delegitimize the courts. Because it will become very it will. It will become very obvious to everyone that this whole thing is, is politics and it's yeah. not a bunch of, you know, you know, judges who do not have their own preferences. But here is what something else some people are also saying. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of buy into that argument. Which argument? I was listening to, to a podcast by someone a few days ago, and the person brought in some professor who is like an expert on the courts, as we say, about Jefferson and things like that. Yeah. And the man was like, you know, as much as you know, he might not be for the politics of the Democrats. Mm -hmm. He actually wants them to expand the courts. It's like if they expand the courts, mm -hmm. the scales will fall off everyone's eyes mm -hmm. that the courts are a political instrument and it's a force the whole country to begin telling Congress that begin doing your job. Mm. So he said, he said, as much as you know, he might not be for their politics, yeah, he does actually want them to expand the courts so that, like, it's never happened though, or has it? It has happened, and I'll tell you how. Oh, um, in the late it. 1060s yeah the court was expanded and then they reverted back its size i believe under president andrew johnson the really first, the first president to be impeached yeah and why at the time they reduced the size of the courts mm -hmm. was to ha basically have favorable you know favorable court rulings yeah and and you know prevents johnson from being saved but president roosevelt also tried to expand the courts in the 30s but there was a public backlash against that idea hmm. because what happened was again some history here i believe up to 1938 or so yeah a lot of Roosevelt's of roosevelt's new deal was ruled unconstitutional by the courts hmm. 
and Roosevelt was frustrated and began saying that he wants to expand the courts. It, so there's a trend here because you named Andrew Jackson, you named Roosevelt, yeah, you named um, Ronald Reagan, yeah. What and then no. and then oh wait no let me finish and then now we have and then we have Connell and then and no and then we have Obama and then we have Trump yeah. What do you, what like what would you say all those presidents have in common? They were, they were very divisive. Andrew Jackson was True. a, a flamethrower. No, no, not Andrew Jackson. Andrew Johnson. Oh, Andrew Johnson. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. But, but Andrew Johnson was another divisive, divisive. drunk. And, yeah. yeah. But, Roosevelt, too. I mean, obviously, he was very divisive, too. Yeah. Ronald Reagan. He was... Divisive. He's, he's one of those presidents that... Everyone Demo- has a strong opinion. Democrats, on. like everyone has a strong opinion. Like you talk to Republicans, they're like, he's our God. You talk to Democrats. He's the devil. He's the devil. And then Obama also. It's funny, Obama, the way Obama governed, he wasn't he wasn't that divisive in his governing, but he still elicited this strong emotions. I'll say something about Obama, and this might kind of come out as controversial. To me, there's no difference between Trump and Obama. Policy-wise or in terms of how they... Temperament. Obama, temperament. Obama is a more polished version of Trump. Temperament. Yeah. Explain that. Where Trump might be very blunt and Trump might just say what he wants to say, mm-hmm. and Trump will say it in you know, two words, yeah. Obama will weave around, mm-hmm. you know, dazzle you people. Oh, yeah. But at the end of the day, because like, what really made my eyes fall down? Okay, not my eyes. Um, the scales fall off my eyes was... I was listening to um, Obama's speech during John Lewis's um, John Lewis's um, funeral. Yeah, <clears throat> and where he began talking, I just looked and said, "Wow, this could drop out of Trump's mouth. This is something Trump is capable of saying." Hmm. Because one thing about Trump and also Obama, you people must never forget. I consider both of them populist. Hmm. How, how is Obama a populist? Remember how Obama ran in 2008? Yes. Obama ran on decrying the whole system, how it's full of lobbyists, how he's, yeah, he's he not ran a, on hope. How he's not a member of the system, but obviously with time, all that talk. He, he became part and pa- um, yeah. parcel. Which also goes to show, and this is kind of going on a tangent, we'll come yeah. back, is that like the whole populist sentiment yeah. did not begin with Trump. It's been around for well over a decade. Hmm. Okay. Like what? so, so in a way, Trump was the reaction to Obama. He, not, he was the, I guess, he was the backlash. No, I, I didn't even buy that whole. You don't thing. buy that. I didn't even buy that whole thing of Trump was a backlash to Obama. I don't buy that. How? Yeah. How did then? How did Trump end up in office? Because that, I mean, that that's as okay, like, un, unprecedented as it gets. You know, like here is the main thing. Trump tapped into sentiments which already existed. Because here's the thing. As much as Obama was a hope and change person, he talked about how corrupt the whole system is and things like that. Obama pretty much made peace with the system almost immediately. And just jettisoned the whole talk of, you know, um, lobbyists control Washington, D.C. and, and things like that. Mm. But Trump is a person who not only during his campaign was he talking about that, but kept knocking on this thing even while 
precedent. And I would also add, okay, let me give like a very good, good, um, good example. One of the things with Trump has been this whole thing of um, fake media, the media is the enemy of the people, and yeah. things like that. The truth about the matter is, it's a wrong interpretation to say that Trump introduced those sentiments into the American political sphere. Those sentiments already existed. A very good example, I believe it was in 2012, during the Republican, the Republican primary presidential debate. Yes. Something came up about, I believe, Newt Gingrich's, like, you know, wives he had, he had had, affairs he had had, and things like that. Yeah. And he was asked that question, and basically, the guy just, you know, lashed out at, at, at the person who asked the question and said, how dare you ask this during a debate? I mean, if this, if this was President Obama, you guys would never ask questions like this. Mm-hmm. This is why people hate, um, this is why people hate, hate the media. You guys are not doing your job. Mm. And something very key. The whole crowd in the whole debate room, which obviously was majority Republicans, for like two to three minutes, mm-hmm. kept cheering and clapping him on. I think I remember. I think I remember. That kept happened. cheering and clapping him on, meaning that all these things to do with, like you know, how the media, the enemies of the people, fake news. Their sentiment. The sentiment has always been. been Trump. There. Trump just figured a thing or two out and said. Wow, he knew he knew how to. He gave it good. He gave it. He knew how to. Um, trying to think of the word. Channel. He knew how to channel it, and he, he the way he made the case. Mm-hmm. He, like he made the, like even people that disagree with Trump agree with Trump that the media mm-hmm. is in the tank mm-hmm. for certain figures. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. he he was the first person. Like because I used to hear him say fake media, fake, and it, it took me a while. You know, to come to that realization, it took me being a mem- uh, fan of Bernie in the 2016 election. I, I mean, I've talked about it already, yeah. but I'll go over it again. Yeah, they just confirmed. Donald just announced Amy. Yeah, Amy so. Coney. Uh, yeah, so we, I mean, that was expected. Um, huh? Oh, the volume. My phone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, where was I? Yeah, 75 percent. You good? Um, I lost my chain of thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I see these alerts, man, yeah. I kind of lose my mind a little bit um, because I, I can only imagine what's going on online right now. I know liberals are losing their minds. <laughs> what what you were saying is, um, it took you being like a fan of Bernie Sanders. Of Bernie Sanders to, for like, me to, to for me to see how the media mm-hmm. colluded with Hillary. And that was what kind of like broke the cycle in my head. That was when I realized that, oh, I see what's going on here. I, like, I see what's going on here. I see I'm at these Bernie rallies. They're not giving it coverage. They're giving Hillary coverage. And Hillary could, couldn't pack a room yep. at the time. Yep. There was, it was so obvious. And that was when I realized how biased the media was. And Trump... At the same time, kept talking about fake news media, fake news media, fake news media. So it's, it's almost like, wait, this guy kind of has a point. Now, obviously, he also abuses that fake news media yeah, thing where man. where he... Trump is Trump. He, you know, he's, Trump is going to Trump. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And there are times when he just calls on the fake news media when he's trying to deflect from other things. Mm-hmm. Fair. But you couldn't deny that there was something off with, this, with the media. Yeah. And with the mainstream media especially. Mm-hmm. But I'm going off on a tangent. Um, we're talking about RBG. Let's 
Yeah, let's so let's so let's try to so let's try to wrap up the RBG discussion. Yeah. She's been nominated, yeah. Amy Coney Barrett. Coney Barrett. What like what do you see happening in the next couple of months, and how do you see this affecting the election? Um, one thing I'll predict: the Democrats might kind of overplay their hands, and I'll tell how you so? how. Um, she was nominated for like um an appeals um as a judge on I believe the seventh appeals court or something. Mm-hmm. Around 2017 or 2018. Yeah. And I believe it was Diane Feinstein of California said something like, the dogma lives loudly in you. And you know that like a huge part of Trump's constituents are like evangelical Christians, mm. social conservatives. Yep. So basically, if Democrats aggressively go on the whole thing of she's Catholic, and the whole religious angle, mm-hmm. that then will galvanize um, religious voters. Because, like, here's the main thing. Like, basically, the way that whole constituency will view everything is, like, an attack on her mm-hmm. is an, an, an attack on, on them. So that's how... And, and on their religious beliefs. Exactly. They've already started coming at her. They said she joined this cult... Well, they labeled it a cult, yeah. but it's really not a cult. It's no different from the communities you see in Adridim Church. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they made because they said because they made a pledge. Did you hear about it? They said that within her Catholic community, mm-hmm. there's this other like sub community um, sub community that they have where they kind of like make a pledge to you know to kind of hold each other accountable mm-hmm. um, based on the teachings of you know, Christ or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those committees that they have. And mm-hmm. she happens to be in, in one of them. A member. A member of that. And they, but there someone labeled it a cult. So and that's where it starts. You see what I'm saying? That's where it starts. Because eva- evangelicals are gonna hear what it's all about and they're gonna be like Ex- exactly what, what a cult? But here's the thing. Here's my thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think decisions were already made a long time ago. I don't think there's gonna be that much more evangelicals that would have voted for Biden that are going to suddenly be like, oh, well, now we're going to, you know, like, I don't, I don't think there's really going to be that at this point. Do, I mean, I, I see the effect of this SCOTUS nomination as just adding more noise and adding more fuel to the fire that's about to come in November. One thing I would also add, like, just talking about, like, the, like the long-term effects of, like, actually having her on the cards. Yes. Personally, I think people are just overblowing the effects of her being on the courts. And I'll tell you why. I do not necessarily think the courts will all of a sudden become as conservative as people imagine. I do not think so. Like, the history simply doesn't back that. Because there's, like, a very good history and trend of judges who are Nominated by Republicans. Yeah. Not living up to the hype people put around them. Yeah. So, I mean, the, Roberts is one of those judges. He's cited on a, a bunch of cases now with the liberals. In fact, he's, no, he's kind of considered a... No, here's the, thing, here's the thing about Roberts. Yes, on the outside, it looks as if he has sided with them. But in many cases, Roberts just simply says... You guys, go back and think this then all over again. Please come back with some more, you know, well-reasoned arguments. Because here is the main thing. You also shouldn't forget that Roberts is, like, 
the head of the courts. He's, 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 he's the chief justice of the whole country. Yeah. And part of his whole thinking and what bothers him is maintaining the legitimacy of the courts, how it looks in front of the whole country. But how did that happen, though? How did what happen? I thought it was by, by seniority, right? Okay, here's what happened. I believe when Roberts was nomin No. Roberts came during Bush's time. San- Sandra Day O'Connor like left the courts. That yeah. was the first lady. Yeah. They tried replacing her with another lady, Harriet's Mayors. And then the conservative base had a backlash okay. against her nomination. And they had to withdraw their nomination. Okay. Then I believe is the order right or wrong? Yes, I believe they then brought in Roberts. Okay. And then while they brought in Roberts and they were trying to go through the whole process, yeah. the chief justice of the country at the time, Rehnquist, died. So, okay. so basically Bush promoted Roberts from being an associate nominee to nominee for chief justice and then brought in Adlito to fill the, that spot. So, yeah, so, so that's how Roberts became the chief justice. But, but then you have Clarence Thomas. I get, well, yeah. they, they, they it, always say Clarence Thomas has always taken like a backseat approach to to, yeah. to things. He's he's like the more quiet one out of the bunch. I mean, yeah, he's quiet, but people have like given it lots of tropes around him being quiet about, you know, meaning that he doesn't know what he's doing. But really speaking, if anything, for, for like the so-called conservative legal movement, mm-hmm. Thomas is the boss, like... Basically, uh, Thomas is where, like Thomas is where everyone gets all their intellectual ideas from. Really? Yeah. So, so, so like basically in this court right now, <clears throat> Thomas is basically the head of the conservative wing, not even Roberts. <clears throat> not even Roberts. And um, yeah. uh, another another thing on the ballot is the whole abortion thing, the abortion fight. I know, I know the issue, which I kind of think is overblown. You think so? I'll say you really you because Kavanaugh has been on record saying that he thinks well he said that he doesn't he doesn't like the idea of challenging established they call it like established law or whatever like thesis I believe that's what it's is called. that what it's called yeah like something that they don't want to undo certain things Amy however has challenged that mm-hmm. um so and and what we're talking about here is really Roe v Wade. Yeah, it's the idea of rolling back Roe Roe v Wade. I mean, now yeah. it's happened before that they've rolled back certain laws. It, it's it happened very rarely, but it's happened before. Let me actually kind of go back to what I was saying about I believe people's worries are overblown. Mm-hmm. The last time Roe v Wade was challenged, a Republican dominated courts basically upheld Roe v Wade. Upheld Roe v Wade, right? So, I mean, like. It's really questionable. And I'll also add, because we're talking about RBG. Mm-hmm. Even RBG, who is a fan of Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. and is basically one of the people who helped you know, in bringing about Roe v. Wade into being in the 70s, mm-hmm. is actually on record as saying that Roe v. Wade was a mistake. She said that? Yeah. Really? Yeah, she said it was a mistake. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check. Yeah, check it. She has actually said it was a mistake. And I'll see why she said it was a mistake. She said that at the time, people, they never could have envisioned that almost 50 years later, that it'd be such a contentious issue. Really? And she said that she felt that what Ruby Wade ended up doing was uniting Protestants and Catholics together 
So like all the whole thing of you know Reagan in the eighties and things like that, she feels like it was a factor that um contributed to the the rise of of the rights like in the late seventies, early eighties. Really? Yeah. She has like she has actually said that in a way it was it was a mistake. Interesting. I'm trying to find Yeah. But I don't want to go through this long. Yeah, I mean like all like all I'll just say and people can go down that rabbit hole and mm-hmm. you know go read the things up yourself. I'm not gonna say them on air. She has said a lot of what I'll just simply call interesting things about Roe v. Wade. Uh did you hear what she said about Black Lives Matter? What did she say? She said that Colin Hold on, let me look it up. I know I know like she said like Colin Kaepernick like kneeling for the flag was, Oh yes, was yes. Dumb. So Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Yeah. So it was Colin Kaepernick. She said it was dumb that the idea of kneeling for the flag, she kind of just said it was not. Nah, it was it was silly. In in that something. I mean, look here. Look here is the main thing, and I feel it's what people like kind of, kind of need to understand about her is, I feel she comes from a generation that's more, should I say, calculating. Mm-hmm introspective in what they do yeah and she can like see that look in Nilin, there is a potential that people who you might be able to somehow persuade mm-hmm. you're putting them off that's probably what she's 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 thinking yeah because i'm pretty sure okay don't let me speak for the dead but like there's a high chance that like like on issues like you know that colin kaepernick is talking about yeah, she might be in agreement with them, but she might be like, "Look, her way, his way of doing it." I just don't just agree not with how you're going about doing things. That's you know, that's how. I agree. Um, so this is the quote that you're talking about. Um, in in 1992 talk at New York University that she later turned into a law review article, Ginsburg argued that the court had been right to strike down the Texas anti-abortion law challenged by the plaintiff Jane Roe, but Ginsburg said that the justices erred in their breathtaking decision to render virtually every abortion restriction in the country illegal. Yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg thought the ruling in Roe v. Wade was correct, but too sweeping. Yeah. A narrow dis- decision she felt was normal and proper judicial behavior. And if the court had, ex- had exercised more restraint, the country would not have had the decades of controversy we have witnessed. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. But here's the thing about I want to get back to this though. The, if it's true that she wanted to be nominated by a by a female president, president Hillary. Isn't that like kind of kind of narcissistic in a way? Like I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead, but think about it. That that, that is not calculated at all. She was willing to, she was so sure that Hillary was going to win. That she was willing to, she was willing to base her her replacement, and bet it on, on the idea of being nominated by a female president. Well, I feel here is also the main issue. Wait, so what, what, what? Was she trying to say? Was she trying to say that she, she valued the wisdom of a female president over a male president? Like, no. I think, what was that about? I think, in in many ways, it's. More of the symbolism around, you know, the symbolism. Yeah. Um, so and so um, that goes back to this narcissistic. Yeah, and way of approaching things. And I mean, I would just also add, in a way, that like, uh, well, I mean, to be 
to be kind of truthful, right? Like, obviously, as we're said many times on this show, there's a ton she did in life, which, quite frankly, many of we males can't even do the tenth, and oh, yeah. you know, we should adore. Yes. But I feel, in many ways, like the whole cult of celebrity kind of got the worst at her. Mm-hmm. The story is RBG. Yeah, because like, like sometimes you see all the you see some of these girls like championing her, and you can tell. They don't really know what they they just, they just know that we're supposed to champion this lady. <laughs> exactly. And and it becomes about it, it becomes trendy. Think about it. If if millions of people are praising you for years and years, it gets to your I head. I think after a while something is it gonna get to your head. Exactly. And it gets to your head. And just and just talking about like, you know, the whole emergence of Trump in general. Mm. Also, even up till the very last minute when Trump was already candidate was on the ballot. Mm. everyone assumed that Hillary will be president. Even mm. Paul Ryan assumed Hillary will be president. Yep. He did. So, it's just one of those things no one ever saw coming. Yeah, but as a judge, you're really not supposed to get in the weeds of the politics. You really aren't. You're supposed to stay away from no, it. No, but it comes back to what we're saying. There is the myth where thoughts about how, you know, judges are impartial. It, she she, she, she knows reality, She knows their power. She knows how powerful they but are. In reality, judges are not impartial. Like those guys set like breathtaking decisions. And they do, man. They into, do. Into the but Trump has been packing the courts. He's yeah, been packing the courts. Yeah. But I, I, I feel like we've had a really full throat discussion. I love this. I wanted to move on to something yeah. else. But well, did, was it was there any other additional things you wanted to add in regards to RBG and her nominee and her well now her nominee Amy Amy Coney Barrett. Um. What can I say about Amy Coney Barrett? Um, I do not feel... Hmm, okay, on the whole issue of, you know, Roe versus Wade and abortion, mm-hmm. there is a highly likely chance that she might be on the side that doesn't favor that. Yeah. But I feel apart from that... She's not really going to make that much of it. The same way Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh has sided on some of the yeah, liberal decisions. Exactly, because... Now, this is going back kind of into the weeds. One thing then many people should understand about like people who sit on the Supreme Court, especially on the conservative side, there's this whole idea about judicial restraint. Yeah. So what it means is if Congress should pass a law, give Congress the benefit of the doubt and do not try to strike down the it's law. Fair, yeah. And she actually is a huge proponent of judicial restraint. restraint. So hmm. interesting. Um. Yeah, that was a that was a good one. I want us to take a quick break. Okay. Uh, I want to grab some water. Do you want anything? You want to grab any snacks? You good? A drink. A drink. Water. 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 Yeah. I have some some fizzy drinks up there too. If you want. Yeah, sure. Fizzy All drinks right. work. All right, man. One second. Uh, let me stop this. Right, I'm gonna phase in there. All right, welcome back. Um, yeah, second half. How far to be? No much, man. Let's go, man. You chilling? Yeah, chilling, man. Uh, yeah, I was, I was getting some munchies. Yeah, same. Um, the other big story out right now, Brianna Taylor. Let's talk about it. Okay. I know we had talked about it a little bit earlier on, I, but I, this is really where I was reserving most of that conversation. Um, 
what's your first I, first of all are you even familiar with what happened yeah I am are you familiar with the original case yeah kind of okay for those that don't know Brianna Taylor is this lady in based in Kentucky um she, I think she used to be an EMT yeah, I don't I, I don't think she's she was anymore at the time I think she might have lost her job too um if I'm not wrong, she was an EMT at the time. She was? Yeah. Okay. Then, then. Lemon check. Yeah. Double check. But she's this lady that used to date a drug dealer. The drug dealer um, involved her in some of her activities. Or at least used her, her property. Yeah. <clears throat> used her property um, for his bank statements. Um, it was her. Former EMT. For, yeah, that's why I said it was former EMT because I don't know. I, f I found somewhere, and I don't have the source here with me, but I found somewhere that she ended up losing her job at one point because she had rented a car, and that same car, car was used was used for like to commit a murder. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily her, but she yeah. originally rented the car. And keep in mind, this is she's involved with this drug dealer. So mm -hmm. I and I think she might. I think that was what resulted to her losing her job because I think she got it. You know, entangled it somehow. Long story short, she had, she left the guy, mm -hmm. but she was still in contact with the guy. Yeah. Even as of this year, there are excerpts, there are phone excerpts of her talking to the guy. Um, how involved she was with him is still unclear. But long story short, <clears throat> the authorities have been tracking this guy. They knew that Brianna's property was one of the properties that that this guy used. Like using his bank statement, they had seen he had used Brianna's car to go to a trap house too, or something like that. But Brianna was dating someone else now, and they decided to pull off a sting operation on all the addresses associated with this guy. His name is Jamarcus Glover. They wound up at all the different locations. They caught the guy, but then they they went to what's her name? So Brianna, Taylor. Brianna Taylor's house. Now, what's been said in the police report, allegedly, is that the police got there, and even though they had issued no-knock warrants for all these properties, they made the decision that Brianna's property was a soft target, and they made the decision to knock, and they claimed that they knocked, according to the police. Several witnesses said they didn't hear a knock. I think so far, one witness has come out and said he, they did hear they them hear knocking. Knock. And they even said that the witness came out to confront the cops, like, what's going on? <clears throat> and the cops told the person to get back in. They kept knocking. Nothing happened. Now, um, Walker, who's Brianna's boyfriend, was in the house with Brianna. They were sleeping. Oh, Brianna was sleeping. She woke up, and they both went, which is weird to me. Like, if you're hearing knocking at the door, I, I don't know why you'd even bring your woman along with you. Yeah. That, to me, was already fishy. But, you know, this guy, is, as far as we know, he's a law-abiding citizen. He had a legal right to, to arm, um, to, to have a gun. Went, and he, so he said the door, you know, came open. And he thought maybe that it was drug dealers. And he shot. So he shot once. The police, he shot a pig. actually hit the police on the thigh, allegedly. <laughs> Some are saying that. It might not have been his bullet. It might have been friendly fire from other police. I'm not sure how that would have happened. And if it did, there's no way. Like, it might have um, 
Oh, Bullets might have ricocheted off like... Oh, it may God. have. It may have. We don't know. But his account is that he shot. He didn't say he shot anyone. The police account and the DA... Oh, do you remember the DA's name? I remember the DA's name. Yeah, he's a black guy too. But he, the, that guy is saying, look, they shot... Oh, he shot a police and the police in self-defense shot back. <laughs> Somehow, this they missed... This Walker guy, his last name was Walker. Same, same last name as yours. I think it's Antoine Walker. Oh, is it Antoine Walker? Wait, let me check. One second. Anthony. Uh... Wait, Mike, you're talking about the DA. Is it the DA or the Attorney General of the state? Sorry, the Attorney General. Sorry, sorry, I um, said DA. His, his name is um Daniel Cameron. Yeah, no, yeah, Daniel Cameron. I'm talking yeah. about the the guy, the boyfriend. His his last name is Walker. Can you just look it up? Yeah, Diana Taylor boyfriend. So that I can use their names as I continue. I know the ex-boyfriend's name is Jamarcus Glover. The boyfriend's name is something Walker. Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker. Okay. So Kenneth Walker said he shot. Um, and there was a shootout. And Brianna ended up getting shot. I think... At least two bullets hit her. I think at least one of them was in the head. Um, it was supposed to be pretty messed up, the way things happened. Now, there have been some allegations that the cops may have tried to cover it up and may have been cagey with the information that they were releasing initially. So there was a lot of confusion. Now, keep in mind, all these details are just coming out. Because prior to this, right, the word on the street was that Brianna Taylor got shot in her bed while sleeping. Yep. And, and no, no. With a no knock, yeah. and that, and that they went to her property in error. They said they weren't even supposed to be at a property. Now we're learning that there was an arrest. Well, not an arrest warrant, a search warrant out for her. You good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Now we're hearing that there was a search warrant out for her property. So we can conclude that they had every legal right to be there based on the search warrant. Yes. <clears throat> now the way they carried it out, it turns out that. She wound up dead. And, you know, that death, death still isn't justified. Absolutely. It, it, it can never be justified. No, but, like, here's, like, actually where, where my main problem is, mm-hmm. is the fact that, let's say, like, when the whole warrant was carried out, the cops had their uniforms on. They're saying the cops didn't have their uniforms on. That's what I'm saying, because if the cops had their uniforms on, I doubt the boyfriend would have shut back because the fact that you know you can see cops with with um yeah you don't sh- shoot back but like same people with no uniforms on mm-hmm. you would assume that like you know maybe they hit they squad to, yeah. against you or something. Hmm. Okay, so so you think that was definitely a lapse in judgment on the yeah, cops' part? Absolutely. Yeah. Or something else also, and another reason why the men never have worn uniforms is because like when. Like stings and arrests like that are done. Mm-hmm. In many cases, people who deal they don't in, want to be identified. Deal in, not only that, like people who are dealing drugs within the the vicinity, they probably have people people on the lookout. People on the lookout who will say that, "Hey, cops are around, run!" Or if you have people who arrive in normal cars wearing normal clothes, yeah, that won't happen. So, yes, and I think yeah, that that is correct. That is correct. So, the attorney general. Daniel Cameron mm-hmm. came out. I mean, this guy's gotten so much spare. 
so much smear. Yeah. There have been rumors that he's, he recently got married mm-hmm. and that there have been rumors that his wife is one of Mitch McConnell's granddaughters or nieces. Turns out that was a lie. Because they were, they were saying, you know, he's doing it to, like, move up the political ranks. Mm-hmm. Um, did you watch his announcement when he came out with the charges? No. I just, yeah. I just read. So, they ended up charging one of the cops for yeah. wanton endangerment. There were no charges for the murder of Breonna Taylor. As a result, protests, going on? riots have started in Kentucky, Louisville. Not just Kentucky, even in Washington. all over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In Baltimore, there were peaceful protests. I mm-hmm. saw. Mm-hmm. It never got too violent. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we've been having this issue of riots and protests and lootings going on for a while now. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that the peaceful protests outweigh the riots, but sometimes yeah. all it takes is a few riots. A few bad apples. Yeah. But some people justify it by saying, well, most of it is peaceful protest, right? But you can't really look at it that way. Because the few riots that are causing destruction and they're looting... It costs a lot. It costs a lot. It costs billions. Yeah. It costs companies billions. Now, I'm not, I'm not here trying to, like, you know, shill for the companies or whatever, but it's the effects in these communities no, but like, that I'm worried about. No. And, 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 and here, let me finish my point. The effect of these riots and lootings, what usually ends up happening is insurance premiums are going to go up in those areas. Most of them are inner cities. Or they might not get coverage anymore. Or they might not get coverage anymore. Most of them are in those inner cities. What race do we usually find in inner cities? Black and brown people. Thank you. And then what ends up happening is if there are no businesses that are willing to operate in these cities what does that do to jobs jobs go away jobs go, go away, away. um funding for a lot of things go away because cool. believe it or not businesses fund a lot of things yeah. in our communities so and then what happens when jobs go goes away toby crime goes up gangs come in and i mean the cascading effects of these things and that's why whenever people say, well, it's just a few riots, the, the peaceful protests are weak. I'm like, I understand what, what you, what you, where you're coming from, but I don't think you understand the effect of every one of those riots are doing. Especially that they've been sustained for this long. We've been, we've been dealing with this for months now. Portland and Oregon have been dealing with it for months now. And now, as a result of this Breonna Taylor um, ruling, there's, we're going to see even more riots. Now, let me ask you something. What do you think justice should have looked like for Brianna Taylor? Ideally, the cop who fired and whose bullets hit Brianna Taylor should have been charged and should, and should not have been charged for, like, you know, negligence. It should have been first degree manslaughter. First degree manslaughter. Yeah, that's what should have happened. Well, and why is that? Based on what? Because, number one, it, like, it wasn't really her. That, that um the cops were going after they were going after you know um it was basically like like the former yeah. boyfriend and his activities they were looking for yes and also number two she never fired on anyone she never, never did. had any any interaction was in another room yes on her own so i mean no, she, she, she was in the hallway yeah yeah okay so 
if there's a shootout <laughs> of any kind anywhere, <laughs> let's say it's a place that has a bunch of, let's say, did you ever, did you ever hear about Waco, Texas? Yeah. There was there was all sorts of shootout. There was friendly fire shootout. There was all sorts. Yeah. There were innocent people that got killed. Yeah. Would you have said that every cop that shot the innocent people, remember it was like a siege, like they had taken over this this entire compound. Yeah. Would you have said that every cop that might have shot an innocent person should have been charged with manslaughter? Is that is that the principle that you're because that's essentially what this is? Someone got caught in the crossfire. I mean, absolutely, because like for example, if, okay. if you look at something like Waco, like dozens of kids were actually killed in Waco. Yeah. And here is the thing: in the case of Waco, were the kids firing on no on the weren't. FBI on the ATF? Were the kids you know doing anything now? In the case of Waco, if you say that like you know. Um, um, the um, the cult leader in charge of Waco was the one who was firing, and they fired back. Okay, we can say that you know he fired on law. Yeah, and, but but when you know that when you're in the midst of a gun shootout, mm -hmm. things aren't as clear as we think that they are. Confusion and panic. There's a lot of confusion, right? One, number two. If we charged every cop that ended up shooting an innocent victim. Mm -hmm. Do you see how that might and I and, and I and I agree with you that that, that should be standard that mm -hmm. should be the ideal, mm -hmm. but given the police force that we have on hand, and given the training that they have, I mean you're you're saying that this guy that shot them right, this Walker guy that shot towards them, even though he had every reason to shoot because as far as he was concerned he was protecting his himself his, and yes, he shot at them right. What what would you have said that they should have done? Not shoot back. Because I, how how do you I guess I'm trying to figure out how how do you how do you toe the line between don't shoot back but when you, if you do shoot back make sure that you're not shooting somebody that happens to be in the vicinity do you see how tricky that can be no I understand from a policing enforcement no, standpoint I understand what you're saying and now just like speaking in general and it's something I've always said for a very long time is in many ways like. A lot of situations like where cops and people find themselves in really need to be reassessed. Because like for example, let's look at the whole thing of, of like of like, you know, cops pulling, you know, people over for like like a bus traffic light or, yes. or something. Do cops need to pull people over? Is there a way of just sending them an email or a text message? For a traffic stop? Yeah. For just like, you know, the argument is that there's a lot of guns that get retrieved. As a result of those traffic stops, that's some of the argument. I'm not saying it's justified, yeah. but that's some of the argument that's made. That have you ever heard of the broken window policy? Yeah, uh, broken yeah. window po policing. Yes, where it's like it's the little things. Uh, where where they said that you need to focus on the little things in order to get the big things right. Yeah, and that once you do that, in some communities, it's been known to be effective. Again, we should challenge everything. We shouldn't just take everything as by as not as you know the final or whatever mm -hmm. if there's a better way that we can do it i'll be i'll be happy to engage and i'll be happy to mm -hmm. for us to you know take on the better way of doing it it's just that we we have to be able to identify that better way first before we just say we want to scrap this way of doing policing and i think I mean, that's that's where i mean one thing i would say is one way in which like everyone should like kind of like look at everything Mm -hmm. is 
for every new law that's passed, yeah. people should ask a very basic question. Yeah. And I know this may sound very hyperbolical. Yes. Who should ask, are we willing to kill to enforce this law? Because okay. re because really like, speaking well, that's, that's that's a good point. Because really speaking, at the end of the day, <laughs> laws are not enforced by telling people that, hey, please follow the law and we'll give you candy. It's enforced by do not follow the law, you're in trouble. I mean that's how Laws are basically en enforced. Mm -hmm. So she basically asked, like, you know, are we willing to kill? Well, are we? To enforce. Are we? Uh, is there any country where the, the people aren't willing to kill yeah. to enforce certain laws? Yes. Yes, there are certain laws where that's justified. Mm -hmm. But there are also other laws whereby it's very questionable that is that the best approach to go about doing things? Because one huge problem with the criminal justice system in this country. Yes. Which I hear no one talking about, which is kind of, which is part of why I've just simply turned out of everything talking about is, yeah. at the end of the day, no one is really talking about like the kind of laws that exist on the books. Okay. No one is asking that, do those laws need to be in place mm -hmm. in the very first place? What okay. are the consequences of having all those laws? So in the case of Brianna Taylor, what law would have, would we have, I guess, what was the law that led to that death? Because if, if we assume, if we assume that they that they did knock, yeah, and it was a drug raid, mm -hmm. and in a drug raid, that's what happens. They mm -hmm. barge in, and mm -hmm. if if there's a shot at them, mm -hmm. they shoot right back. The, the, the because to an extent, they have to like the self defense, right? Yes, true. And mm -hmm. the, and the laws that basically led up to that whole raid are basically laws which have to do with the war on drugs. Then, then let's talk about it. So really, that's really what's at the heart of like, this. At the it, end of it, the it's day, the enforcement of our drug laws that's and, causing these. And, let's talk about and, it. And here is a key thing. I know that like, if anyone begins criticizing the drug laws, mm -hmm. um, um, the, the drug war, mm -hmm. people will probably say that, so do you want everyone to be high on drugs? Do you want drugs to come back and I feel what everyone kind of needs to realize is as much as when all these laws were coming into place, probably in the 70s and 80s, yeah, there indeed was actually a drug a problem yeah, in a some, case. some communities. But now we need to ask a key question. Like, There's has, still drug problems in certain communities. Yeah. Oh, oh, very well. But here's the problem. Yeah. Has a bigger evil been created than it was intended to solve? That's that's the bigger problem. Hmm. Okay. And how would I say this? And I know that this might be, be new for people to like really examine. Yes. What many people really do not realize about the whole drug war and drug laws in general is number one, they increase violence increases everywhere. So whether it's in Central America, um, you know, in the nineteen eighties and into the early to mid nineteen nineties. Colombia was a war zone. Today, it's Mexico, you know, Honduras, and countries like that. And yeah. even when people talk about like issues like illegal immigration in this country, yeah, people coming over the border. One thing which many people fail to speak about, and which never gets the attention it deserves, actually, is the drug war. Okay. Because many of these people, like escaping from Mexico or many of these Central American countries, mm -hmm. in many ways 
they're escaping number one because of the violence it has created and number mm. two because of the fact that like land you know that they'll normally use to like grow their native crops as farmers yeah it's basically land that's taken over by the yeah. drug cartels to dr- to grow the drug so these are heavy questions yeah which should be asked and and then i would also go ahead and even give like quote unquote the more constitutional um answer to this whole question which is there's actually a very um what's the word clear-cut argument mm-hmm. that the drug was unconstitutional okay how so clarence thomas has, has actually kind of delved into that area okay in a 2004 ruling on i believe medical marijuana yeah and basically in his i believe i believe he actually dissented in that ruling and but if you should take the logic of what he was saying to its to its conclusion yeah what he was basically saying is that the is that the whole drug war has no constitutional basis and should be struck down hmm. interesting so you because think you 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 think ultimately the the real coup culprit of of Breonna Taylor's death is, drug war. is is the escalation of the drug war and yes. the, and the unintended the sometimes unintended conse- consequences. Be- because look at it this way, let's say for example the federal government has no drug war in in place, right? Yes. Different states will have to figure out what they want to do with the whole drug war issue, hmm. and at the end of the day. If let's say in the state of Maryland or the state of Florida, mm-hmm. the governor has to go before the state legislature, you know, every year to ask for billions to fight a war that's far from being won, mm-hmm. people will begin asking very hard questions, saying that. But because it's federal, it's it doesn't get to the people as much. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. You know what? I never really thought of it that way. You have a point. So, so let's go back to, and I get your point, I get your point, but let's go back to this specific case of Brianna Taylor. You're saying the cops should have been charged with manslaughter. Um, pretty much, yeah. Given that our drug laws empower, even though our drug laws empower them to take out these actions. It, it yes. wouldn't that be a contradiction in a sense. You're, you're talking in the sense that if there wasn't a drug war, Ideally, this guy should have been charged with manslaughter. But given that the the cops have been given the mandate to enforce these drug laws, and in order to enforce these drug laws, these are things that they usually end up having to 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 do. Where like when people shoot shoot at them, they shoot back. Here's even like even like the more you didn't answer my question. I don't want you to pivot. Okay, my question is very direct. I'm saying, given that. The cops have been given a mandate to enforce these drug laws. Okay. Do you think within that context of them being given the power or the or the or given the mandate to enforce these laws, do you still think that he should have been charged with manslaughter? Ideally he should, but like according to like the laws that exist, he can't because like there's a whole concept called called qualified immunity. And the whole idea is basically government actors can't be sued. I'm sorry, Go- like, government actors can't be sued. Like, like you can't easily, you know, say that, you know, a civil servant, we want to take them to court. Yes. To listen, oh, not to listen, to, to, um, to, um, to, to owe up for okay. what they did. All right. So, okay. in many ways, like, if people, like, really want to, like, see more accountability with yes. cops, qualified immunity is 
another thing which needs to be re-examined. And now, I know that like there are people who say that they're like, you know, oh, qualified immunity is needed. It's one of the traditional protections for cops, blah, 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 blah. I would also say, say that like things like the drug war and drug laws should not be imposed. along with qualified immunity should, should be, be re-examined. Should be totally re-examined. But here is the issue. That's, yeah. There are constituencies and interests around both mm-hmm. which you not easily allow for them to be re-examined. So on the side of qualified immunity, you have police unions. Yes. And just like a corporation, they fund candidates. They do. They lobby for their they own special interests. Yeah, exactly. And then on the side of the drug war, you have, you know, the prison industrial complex and yeah. everyone. Pipeline. So so basically there is a like it's so weird how we're watching this video while we're speaking on like serious political matters. I know. <laughs> I just look. I just played YouTube. I just, and it's just playing whatever it is. So you guys, please ignore this. I know. Um, but yeah, go on. Yeah. So um, those are the key issues. Interesting. I, Interesting. But but I I you 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 made me like rethink this now because I, I I've always been stuck on well, I never really thought. Like that far back to the drug war, I, I've always I've always been in agreement that there's something wrong with the drug war. But I now that I'm making the connection, right? The drug war is something that's systemic in nature. Yeah, absolutely. So these are the things; these are going to be consequences of that drug war. And I never like when I'm thinking of the Brianna Taylor case, I'm just thinking about in terms of the law on the books. It's I'm thinking it's almost impossible to see you want to charge the cop with yeah, it's, it's with it's, manslaughter. It's like because by doing that, then, then the whole thing crumbles. Yeah. The way things are right now, you can't. The problem is, the the, the structure shouldn't be there in the first place. Absolutely. I know what, what if maybe that's what the Black Lives Matter activists are calling for. They're not. They're not right. But but if they were calling for that, right? I think though, the more people would be on board. Here, look, here is part of like where my problem with. Black Lives Matter is. Oh boy, <laughs> you're about to get in trouble, Toby. But go on. I'll be very. Blunt. Go on. Please get it. Please get in the frame. Like, come, come close like, a little bit. No, be, no, like, like pull your chair forward okay. a little bit. Yeah. Like, I'll be very blunt. Black Lives Matter sucks at strategy. Do they suck at strategy, or is that the strategy? There's also that. There's also that. You know how, you know, have you noticed that there's really no, like, one leader that you can really point to as the leader of Black Lives Matter? Yes. There, there are people, there are figures here and there, but no one has actually come out as the leader of Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Have you noticed that there's, Black Lives Matter can pretty much get uprooted by any faction. Anywhere. And then they can, they can put Black Lives Matter on it. Yeah. There's certain Antifa fig- figures that have, that have taken that Black Lives Matter mantra mm-hmm. and done things on behalf of Black Lives Matter. Absolutely. I think it's. I think, I th- I think that's calculated. No, like I think that's more yes, calculated than we give them credit no, for. Yes, it is, and I'll also give them credit there because like organizations and movements that have like key figureheads where I can say, him 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 ha ha ha. Yeah, you can These easily. Leaders, you can take them up. But you like, can, yes. When it's just an idea. It's and, an idea. And, it's an idea that can spring up at any. At any given point, it's, anywhere, it's actually kind of hard. It's harder to take them out. It's harder, but still, yes. Even then, the messaging it, is still. There still are people who 
are, I'll say, loosely the heads of Black Lives Matter. Loosely. They're associated with Black Lives Matter. Oh, like who? Like who? Um, is it Patricia Collars? And, yeah, there's that, and there's that other girl. Um, What's her name? Um, I've, I've, I've forgotten. Um, let me actually one stop. One is Patricia um, Collars. Um, Patrice what, Collars, one uh, is, uh, Alicia Garza, Opal Tomedi. Yes, that's what I was thinking about. Those are like the people who get invited to all the conferences. And I feel, in a sense, mm-hmm. if all of a sudden those three ladies all of a sudden begin speaking about these issues, mm-hmm. pretty much the majority of all Black Lives Matter chapters all over the place will begin. Um, Championing, championing them because to a huge extent they do have a, like a very loyal following they do they so, do although their support has been it, it, their support went up at the height of the riots right yes but the support has gone down again yes it's I've, gone down it's gone down dramatically yes what does that signal to you in terms of consequences for the election honestly one thing I would actually say, and this may sound controversial, mm-hmm. one thing Black Lives Matter has been very skilled at doing is presenting themselves as if the whole country is against them. Mm. The whole country isn't against them. Every corporation, government agency. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Even President Trump. Oh, yeah. Oh, Even yeah. President Trump. Oh, yeah. did, did you did you watch that the interview where um, they had asked? Per, no, it was Bob Woodard. Mm-hmm. Did, did you did you did you listen to the phone to the phone? I didn't listen to, to the, the phone um, interview. I didn't listen to, to, to the clip. But there was I, I there was excerpts. there was there was one part where he asked that, "Do you think there is system systemic yeah, racism?" And and Trump and basically he caught to it. And no, no, like Trump bluntly said that. Do you really buy that? Like in in Trump's way, and mm-hmm. Trump just you know brushed off the whole you know idea. But like basically going back to what we're saying. No, 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 no. I show you. Yes, yes. Like like Trump did not toe that line at all. Like Trump said that. So you're bought into that? Yeah. He said that. He said that. But I'm saying that they asked him. This was this was private conversations, yeah. phone conversations. Um. He said, "Oh, oh no! It was white privilege that he scoffed at." It was white privilege that he scoffed at, but he asked, but would have asked him about systemic racism. Hold on, let me, I'll find it now because I think this is very, um, say, yes. So this was, it was institutional racism. So this was the, this was except, um, <clears throat> newly revealed tapes from Woodard's book Rage, which is set for release on Tuesday. Do you know how many people have made? made books off of this Trump presidency. I know. Do you know how much business will slow down for some people look, look, if like, Trump leaves office? Like, I've always said from day one, being against Trump is business on its own. It is. It is. But let me finish this, which is set for release on Tuesday, a reveal Trump saying earlier this summer, he believes institutional racism exists in the country and impacts people's lives, contrary to his public statements denying it exists. See, that's the thing about Trump. Trump always tries to play to whatever crowd no, is in front of him. One thing so, so, so let me read the exact excerpts. Now, Bob asks, Bob, Bob Woodard, do you think there is systemic or institutional racism in this country? Woodard asks. Trump replies, well, I think there is everywhere. 
I think probably less hair than most places or less hair than many places, Trump responded. He said, okay, but is it hair in a way that it has an impact on people's lives? Woodard asked. I think it is, and it's unfortunate, but I think it is, Trump said. Uh, and this was June 22 that he made this, this um, comment. Now, they went on. He said, now, Trump made those comments in the June 22 conversation with Woodward, though days before, he did reject the idea that white privilege prevents white people from understanding the anger and pain of black citizens. This was the excerpt. No, you really drank the Kool-Aid, didn't you? Just listen to you. Wow. No, I don't feel that at all. I think that's questioning whether it was white privilege. Um, while appearing in Kenosha, Wisconsin in September, following riots and civil unrest, Trump said he didn't believe systemic racism is present in the country. So that's him kind of like walking it back again. So, which is what I want to talk about next. But go on, you're about to say One something. One thing I'll just add real quick. I've actually told people this before, mm -hmm. and many people have scoffed at the idea. Trump knows how to size up his audience and talk to their level of intelligence. Hmm. Okay. Behind, look, like I've always said, people are too sentimental about Trump and say, what a dumb guy. No, he's not. Someone who is dumb. He's media savvy. No, someone, I, I, whenever people say that, I'm always some, like, what are you talking someone about? Someone who is dumb. I'm like, what are you talking never, about? <laughs> like, like, basically, look, the guy took down two political dynasties. Someone who is dumb what? Like, won't be where he is. No, and, at all. And here is, And here's the thing. There is a Trump behind closed doors, and there's a Trump at rallies that sounds like a dumbass. There is. There is. And, there is. And, I'm glad someone's finally acknowledging this, because I try to tell my friends this. My friends, I hate Trump's guts. They're like, oh, this guy, oh, this guy is such a dumbass. Oh, like, anyone can, pretty much, they're always trying to, like, belittle his intelligence, because when he talks, he doesn't talk as eloquently as what you'd expect from a president. And I try to explain to people that, you guys, the game has changed. Like, there's something different going on here. He's 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 he dumbs himself down to an extent so that he can connect. Like that's why when he talks, he talks as there's simply as possible. You no, know, there's something even more fundamental about Trump, which we need to understand. Hmm. Let me ask a question: What industry did Trump come from? Came from media. Well, uh, well, he came from construction, uh, uh, real estate. But, so think but about he this. does a lot of media. media. Over a span of 30 to 40 years, mm -hmm. the guy was interacting every single day with all these blue-collar people who live mm. on six-pack beers, yeah. who live and, on watching and, and football games. <laughs> exactly. And no matter what you think about Trump, yeah. Trump is more socialized into working class sensibilities is. than many um many is. than many elites people. And the truth about the matter is, is like, for example, a Trump in many ways actually has sorry if I'm saying this, a better connection with many black people than an Obama. He did. He used to be he used to be celebrated by, by yes. rappers all the time. Like like rappers used to say that we want to be like Trump. So, 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 like, basically, the only reason why the guy could sweep us like Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. Ohio, Michigan is mm -hmm. he understands the mentality he does. of rust-built people and, and 
basically, there are people who said that, I believe it was back in 2015, mm-hmm. when he declared he was going to be president. I was listening to this. I'm forgetting where I was listening to it. Like, the lady said that, like, her husband listened to Trump for a couple of minutes and said, this guy is on his way to the White House. And that was, really? back, that was back in 2015. And the guy basically said that, said that the, the reason why I know he's on his way to the White House is basically this guy talks like most working class people talk. And at the end of the, at the, end of the day, that's who you need if you're going to win an election. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so let's go back to, again, I want, okay. I want, I want us to try to button up the, the Breonna Taylor topic. So what do we do now from here with Breonna Taylor? How do we... I guess, how do we appease people that feel um, let down by the Attorney General's ruling? How, 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 how does that get, and regardless of who gets in office, whether it's Trump or Biden, how does that get solved? Are you saying that the only way is if we start all the way back from the drug war? Because the drug war is not the only thing. There's other yeah. things that, that policing the drug ends war, up... Okay. Number one, the drug war is something that has to be scaled back. Okay. Number two, the whole thing about qualified immunity. Number three, how cops are trained. Mm-hmm. And number four, I feel even more more fundamentally, there needs to be like a review of like all the laws on the books. On the books. Because like I said, like a key question which like everyone needs to like kind of ask is, are you willing to kill to enforce a law. Mm. And if the answer is no, then maybe, you know, another way should be used to, you know, enforce that law. And something else, and I know you touched on this, like the perspective of cops is, another thing which should, they should begin phasing out, probably, is um, cops pulling people over for like, you know, bus traffic lights or something. Okay. And and people should should like you know get their tickets in the mail by email or text or. So we shouldn't have any, one pulling over anyone anymore. It should be it should be extremely limited. H- have you have you considered the consequences of that? I, I haven't. I'm just asking. Have yeah, you? that's why. I, that's actually why I was about to say, it should be under like really. Extremely um limited circumstances so like for example so people should just be allowed to speak oh yeah are you saying we should have like traffic cameras because maybe? look at it this way i'm not sure about the state of maryland i know that if i'm not wrong florida has faced them out like there are this um red red traffic lights yeah and they have them in baltimore and maryland too exactly and with the red traffic lights you would receive the thing in the mail yeah or when you're about to renew your car's registration Something similar. So something like that. We should just automate that process. Yeah. Now, I wonder. Maybe, I wonder what the argument now, against that would be because I think that's very now, reasonable. Now, maybe the only reason why a car can be pulled over is like if the driver is doing like a like a twenty over or a thirty over or a fifty over. Okay. In that case, yes, the driver needs to be pulled pulled over. Like then then okay. Okay. That, so if it's only twenty. I mean, if, if it's like 15 over or, or or like 10 over or like maybe even 20. Okay. So, allow, allow it to so scale back drug wars and traffic stops. No, no, and traffic stops. Scale back. Scale back traffic stops and increase the 
threshold for traffic stops. Okay. And you think it'll solve all the problems of police it won't, brutality? It won't solve all the problems. I can promise you about that one. Okay, like, because like, okay, I'm I am glad on, you know that. I am under no delusion to solve all the problems, but okay. but you think that's a good start? It will go a long way. It'll go a long way in solving many issues because you spoke about this whole thing about the police perspective. Also, mm -hmm. you also shouldn't forget something. We we're putting these. Whenever in. cops pull people over. And they come out from their cars to come, you know, ask people that, like, you know, bring out your... Um, License of your, registration? Yeah. And you have to reach for your glove compartment. Yeah. There's actually, like, there's actually a fear that you might be reaching for something inside that glove compartment. There is. Because there is. Something once actually happened to me, and I'm not sure if, you, if you've ever driven in the state of Georgia. No. Cops in the state of Georgia are sharks. Even if you're going five over... Mm-hmm. And you're in their sights, you will be pulled over. Mm. That's why whenever I drive back and forth to to Florida, mm. it's always during the during the Georgia phase <laughs> that my car goes as slowly as, as possible. possible. Yeah, a couple once pulled me over. I think I was doing a five or a ten over, mm. and um, before he came to my glass, I I brought out like the pouch in which I keep my registration, mm. and I put it in my dashboard, and I told him that, oh, can I reach? For the, for the pouch and he was like yeah sure and then he looked at me and said that people really, really do that thanks for actually doing that mm. that whenever you reach your glove compartment I do not know what people are about to pull, pull out would you agree that there's also an issue of compliance sometimes yeah I mean it's it's also it's also an issue because I mean <laughs> I, I like I like that you because it sounds like you really thought because I never like I like that because you've given me a lot to think about now because I the way I was gonna take this discussion was a different direction but you I think that's something that's doable I think you, maybe we don't need as many traffic stops mm -hmm. maybe we don't mm -hmm. and but then then that means you're also giving into the argument of redistributing how we deploy police services right yeah which is in a so, way is kind of like the the defund the police movement to an extent i'm not gonna say it's it's part of defund police so what i'll just simply say is that rather than putting all police resources yes into pulling people over like actually redirect all police resources towards real physical crimes like burglary okay people getting mugged okay and things like that but or like domestic violence exactly domestic yes domestic violence you can mean like in up. the case of jacob blake yes yes but then he got shot too that's <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but you no, know no. what I mean. I'm, yes. like, I'm serious yes. about it. Like, he got, still no. got shot. No, which is why I said a few seconds ago that with everything I'm, I'm suggesting, I am under no delusions thinking that, 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 gonna solve that it. this, this is going to solve it. But it's something everything. to think about. It's, and, it, it's a constructive way to look at and it. I would also add, add something which no one ever talks about. Yeah. You know that this country had prohibition of alcohol in like the 20s and early 30s? Yes. There is, that was a disaster. There is more than enough proof showing that during Prohibition, the killing of cops went up. During Prohibition? Once Prohibition um, ended, mm -hmm. it collapsed. Once the, the war on drugs um, began, mm -hmm. it went up and hasn't come back down. Mm. So maybe we end Prohibition of certain drugs? Really? In, That's how you feel? In some capacity or... I, I no, think I think marijuana no, definitely no, no. Okay, should okay. should be considered. Let me put it like this: the war on drugs came into being in, in I believe, nineteen seventy one. Mm -hmm. This country should revert back to the pre nineteen seventy one. Seventy one. 
Laws. Okay. And began there. Okay. I I I I, I didn't anticipate that we would end up on the war on drugs because that wasn't on the agenda. But I like I, 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 it's a constructive way of looking at it. I respect that. What what are your thoughts on systemic racism? Hmm. What are my thoughts on systemic racism? Yes. Um. I'd say my thoughts are very nuanced. Oh, oh, wait, first of all, how do you define systemic racism? The use of state force mm -hmm. to disadvantage one group at the expense of another. At the expense of another. Yes. So, for example, one group at the at the expense of another. Yes. Yeah, so, for and, example, and when you say groups, what groups are we talking about? Are you talking about racial groups? Yes. Yeah, so, like for example, Japanese Americans, African Americans, Italian. Americans. So, like, for example, let's give very solid examples here. Yeah. One real big thing, which has come up a lot, especially on the American left. Yes. But to many libertarian kinds for decades, mm -hmm. it has been kind of known, but all of a sudden they've just discovered it, is housing policy. Example. Housing policy, yes. There are all these laws around, you know, redlining, zoning, and yeah. things like that. If you talk about institutional racism, yeah, a case can be made that those laws were made with the intent of institutional racist intents in place. And how so? How 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 would you make that case? For example, we can look at the congressional records at, at the time. We can look at the records of what the people passing the laws uh -huh. said, uh, said, said, said at the time. These things are not hard to like really establish. And, okay. And basically, it's proven that things like redlining, uh -huh. zoning, are laws which had you know racist roots in their in their origins. Yeah, but redlining doesn't happen anymore. It does it. Mm, not really, but zoning laws still exist. So, 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 like for example, let me give a, give a very good example. Mm -hmm. Look at a city like Chicago. Yeah, Chicago is probably the most racially segregated country in the, in this quote unquote segregated country in the yeah, it's wildly segregated. And the laws which make it possible dates back to like the nineteen twenties and things like that. But then Chicago is run by mostly Democrats, though, right? But here's the thing. With the way many of these laws are, even though those laws might have had racist origins mm -hmm. and things like that, they begin serving a utility after a point, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. So that's another way to, to, to look at this. So like, okay, let me actually give like very solid examples. Mm -hmm. Look at laws around things like, you know, entering trades and things like that. It's well proven that in the 30s, mm -hmm. there were a set of laws called, I believe, Davis, um, the Davis-Bacon laws yeah. and prevailing wages, whereby their intent was to block out skilled black laborers who are coming in from the south to the north yes. to build things. Mm -hmm. And the congressional records exist there showing you know, congressmen saying, these Negroes are coming into our communities and displacing our white Anglo man. Something must be done. Like, yeah. like, like there is no contesting that. Yes. So I'll say like in many ways, a lot of things which can be called systemic racism in yeah. many ways are a carryover 
of old from, laws of old laws, or like pre Jim Crow era laws. laws, which no one has has you know actually gone. But that, but the reason why they haven't gotten rid of laws is because, at, like you said, at some point those laws started serving their utility, right? That's the thing. So, my, so my question is, I I get that. Yes, there were this this country was definitely built on a lot of racist structures. Yeah, absolutely. clearly, I'm saying today. What would you? Is there systemic racism today? question in as much as we might talk about systemic are, okay how to answer this question are they racist to today yes yeah they're, they're well, always going to be racist well would i necessarily say it's systemic i, I mean I, I institutionalized hate... meaning the the it's institute laws institutionalized that that are specifically targeting Blacks. Like, I'll give you an example. The, for instance, the justice system. It's considered to be systemically racist. And the, the argument for that is that... No, but like, the, let me finish. The argument for that is usually is people point to the outcomes of... The, like, the disparity in outcomes when it comes to the justice system. Meaning, blacks tend to get the short end of the stick when it comes to the justice system. The question now is... Is it a cause and effect, or is it just a is it unintended consequences based on something else? And I get that's my real question. Okay, let me actually answer this question very well. What I actually feel is it's the natural consequence of how things like that are built. Yes. Because whenever you have laws like that, even whenever you have regulations in place. Yes. Let's be kind of frank. Mm -hmm. It's normally people who are well connected, people who have means, who are able to get away. So, like, look, here is the main thing about justice in this country. Yeah. Which people need to understand, and people haven't figured that out long ago. Yeah. In this country, if you have money, you can get off the hook for many things. Your justice is is is, is what you pay for. Yeah, that's why I try to explain to people that Your justice, a lot of it is really socioeconomic, really. E exactly, when like, it boils down to it. Like, let me give a very good example. Like, you you get the justice you can pay for. Exactly, like when like when I was in college, we were once at a football game, mm -hmm. and there was this there's there, there's this kid. I mean, at times, don't let me say he acts awkwardly, but at times he just you know gets over himself. Yeah. And he had been drinking too much. Mm -hmm. And he mistakenly pushed a cop. Mm -hmm. And even though he meant no malice, harm, intent, and just pushed the cop back, basically, that's basically considered assault. It is. And the cop took him down onto the ground. Mm -hmm. And basically, from what I understand, the thing kind of became a case. Well, obviously, he could get away with the case because... He comes from quite a well-to-do family. Yeah. They can afford the lawyers and can afford the means to have that scrubbed off. Yes. His record. So, yeah. if I'm not wrong, today, that is no more on his record. Well, let's say, for example, he, like, he came from, like, you know, some, you know, very middle-class family. He could have still been in jail right now. He could still be in jail, and that thing would still be on his record. But because of yes. the fact that his family could afford yes. that, they could help in scrubbing that off his record, which is part... But would you agree... That it shouldn't be that way. I, I agree. Would it you agree that, that 
And I think that, you see, that's where I align with, with, with this uh, BLM activist, mm -hmm. is that, yes, there are unintended consequences, right? And those unintended consequences end up putting a lot more black male, a lot more black men in jails. Sure. I do not agree that it's necessarily a, like, it, I don't, I don't necessarily, you can necessarily call it systemic racism in that sense, in meaning like the, the law is purposely targeting black males. I think there are other underlying issues that are contributing to that. However, I do agree that the justice you are you earn in this country should not be based on how much money you have. Sure. I think that's unjust, sure. and I think for that I can that, like that's something I could always get on board with. I think when people use the systemic racism, the evidence that they point to is the disparity of outcomes, and yeah. I don't think you can just point to disparity of outcomes. I think you need to be able to show a cause and effect. And now, a lot of times they're able to. They're able to show bias. Mm -hmm. We do know that there's bias in the policing system. Absolutely. You know, there have been studies that have been done. Yeah. Uh, there are certain biases towards blacks. Um, I think that's a consequence. Again, and, and it comes back to the question of which, which one came before, the chicken or the egg, right? right? Mm -hmm. It's like, are there biases because the, there's trends that are being observed here? Or are there biases... Or are, or are there trends because of those biases? And that's 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 where the argument gets a little murky. Like there was even this stuff that I was looking, that I was um, reading about one. Well, I was I heard on a podcast recently. They said that black justices tend to give harsher sentences to blacks. Did you know that? I'm kind of not shocked, and I'll tell you why. And this is kind of going off on a tangent. Whenever like people talk about like you know um, the population of um, black prisoners in this country, mm -hmm. black people, and the criminal justice system, one thing which people never really talk about, and this is part of why, but and this is part of why this whole thing is made so simplified is yeah. people never actually talk about the role of the black middle and working class, and mm -hmm. actually. In some cases, lobbying for these laws. It necessarily mm. wasn't that like that they came out with malice and intent of wanting to lock up our whole community. Yeah, the 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 ninety two was it ninety two ninety four? No. The ninety two crime bill was advocated by no, no, members of the black community. No, even the ninety two crime bill because the drug war began with with um the Rockefeller drug laws in New York. Okay, and there's actually an author who has um who produced a book called Black Silence Silence Majority. Yeah, a black man. Arguing that in the late sixties or early seventies, yeah, it was like members of the black working class in New York clergy, yeah, who were the most vocal advocates mm -hmm. for this law, saying that you know, drugs is like drugs are causing problems, mm -hmm. and there's disorder in black communities, and they want something there to are be cries done. for help. And in many ways, I mean, many black judges, I mean, by their by their by how they are inherently mm. are basically members of the of the of um, the black middle class. Mm. So yeah. in many ways, if that study claims that black judges are even more harsh to them, it's like you people are the ones effing up our community. Yeah, Go to it's jail almost for like a long it's time. almost like they're they're being more even more activists in their judgments in a way because they, they 
maybe it's even more personal for them, is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, I, I can see that phenomenon playing playing out. Um, I do want to play this clip though because there was this debate that I, I recently watched. It was between this former NFL player, Aaron Foster. He has a podcast, and this guy, this left guy, the first time I'd heard of him. This guy who is also very progressive, but he's he's the guy for some reason the riots have like start has made him start considering Trump. Like it's a real thing. And it, it this happened for a lot of liberals right now. These riots that, that they're seeing. So it came the the they were debating about systemic racism and it was it was really heated. I mean at some point they were even cursing each other out. Wow. It got really heated. At some point Arian Foster even accused him that maybe you're even a racist kind of thing. Like it got really heated, but then I think where the the conversation really came down to a halt, and you saw this, it was like, hmm, it was almost like it broke down, mm-hmm. and it, the crux of the argument was revealed. And I and I just thought it was really interesting that I, I somehow would like to share with our listeners. Um, so this is this is now this is I'm not going to start from the beginning. I'm just going to get to the point where. You know, they had debated for like a good one hour and a half. And it just came down to a question. I'm going to play it. So this is them. This is one second. Uh, 34. All right, this is it. Throwing shit out. Oh, have you seen this? Well, no, I haven't seen it. And no, I'm not going to pause this thing so I can read it and study it. And you're not going to do the same thing for me. It'll help if we can do this in advance and actually say, well, no, you looked at this study and you say this, but I looked at the same study and I see that. I think that might be a better, a better tack. Right. Uh, and I'm happy to do that with you. Um, but um, my, my question is, how this would is we quantify the effect of <clears throat> the racism against somebody versus simple self-determination and how would we quantify the that question? of the uh the negative aspects of quant- the african-american society the african-american culture which i mentioned before um and how would we quantify those how would you how would you answer that don't worry you can you can you can you don't have to answer you can give it some thought let me go back to it all right, so are you listening? Yeah, listen. Right. Uh, so, like, what? I was going to say, I feel like it's a fair question. Um, you don't? And I said, I feel like it's a fair question. Okay. And I said, I, uh, um, I think, I mean, there's a, there's a multiplicity of, of ways that we can do that, right? And okay. just off the top of my head, um, I think we would look at uh, the school funding discrepancies, right? And if, the, and if all things were equal there, right? We wait a few generations to see how that goes, right? Because it's, 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 it's of course, of course, because we have first graders, there's going to be second graders, and so on and so forth. And, so he's talking about how and, you and the quality of the education. Racing. Nobody would argue is does not would not affect the the upbringing of a child, right? So uh, you 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 look into um, the 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 bank loan discrepancies. You look into uh, uh, the the policing, the over policing of our neighborhoods. You change the drug laws, right? You 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 stop the war on drugs because it's still happening, right? You decriminalize. Yep, I'm, weed. I'm behind you on that. You I'm behind you on that. You have restorative justice on on marijuana laws and mm-hmm. really all drug laws, in my opinion. Um, yep. You set up mental health centers in our communities. You set yep. up uh, uh, um, daycares in our communities. Um, 
you do this. We're on board. You do this, and you see in four or five generations, um, you see the, the. I guarantee you see the crime fall. I guarantee you see the sentencing discrepancy uh, alleviate. You you educate black folks on local elections. You educate uh, Hispanics on local elections to get more representation in their local politics. You do all of these things, right? I, I say I say you have a, a a good step forward in an equal society. Now, before we go forward, what do you think about his suggestions? Yeah, like most of his suggestions actually are, are not bad. They're they're not bad. They're yeah. reasonable. Yeah. They're the only problem I have with 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 the way he answered it is he's saying that wait you do these things. Who is my question? Who is he referring to? Um, white people because I think that would be a mistake from I think I think I think we have to be the ones to do these do these things yes I do we have to have accountability no. we cannot say wait for someone to save save us no I we do, can't I do agree with what you said but also there are things which you said in there which no matter how like you try to dice and spice everything mm-hmm it comes back to changing public policy. So, like, for example, we've been talking about, like, how the death of Brianna Taylor and the war on drugs... Yes, and, coincided. Yeah. And, and police um, and qualified immunity and things yeah. like that. At the end of the day, those are things I have to change. But, yes, I do agree with you that at the end of the day... It's, it's the people we put in power that matter. Yeah, yeah I do agree. I, I do agree with you. And this and, and I think that's, that's another problem that I have with this BLM movement is this... You guys have to do this. You guys have to do this. You guys, and there's something about it that just asking someone to do something on your behalf, I just feel is the wrong way to go about it. I think we need to, and it could be middle class, working class, whatever, but it has to start with us. I agree with you. It has to. But let me, let me continue playing because so it gets even more interesting. All the policy issues, which you then have to do, is undo all the in- all the inherent biases that is interwoven into our society. So there's, in, you keep saying biases, yeah, and and you know it, it's hard to do biases because biases are individual. I think what we need to do is not not to erase the biases because, I mean, biases are everywhere. Um, you I normalize. Think we have to, so so shit like this, you know, right? So so when when um, <clears throat> when I was growing up. Like and this this is not, and this is why this is like having having some of these kind of conversations with conservatives is hard because uh, like I saw in your Twitter bio it, it was like facts matter the numbers matter whatever the case would be right mm-hmm. when if you talk to any serious social scientist like like they matter but they're insignificant in a, in a, in a, in, a, in certain areas right so something like this where uh, when I was growing up I didn't have any superheroes that looked like me. Represented on a, on, a, on a big screen, right? All my superheroes look like you. So Superman, Batman, whatever the case may be. These kids growing up, they saw Black Panther on a big screen. Right? Where that's like, oh, it's just a movie. That's a significant thing. Because mm-hmm. now what you're seeing is representation. You're seeing somebody that looks like you that can do magical things. Obama. What do you think about representation? Because that's another one of the arguments that I made, that there isn't enough representation. So as a result, we need to somehow, I guess... Um, we need to put people in in place more, right? Um, What's your thought on that? My thought about this representation oh, with superheroes too. 
which to me is more kind of ridiculous, but go on. My, my thoughts on this, I'll say, is kind of nuanced and it must kind of sound controversial. Mm-hmm. But I feel that um, there needs to be like, should I say, almost a zero tolerance policy towards the not so wonderful elements of black society having them much prominence. Because okay. let me just quickly back up what I said. Yes. Every every community has its worst people. Yes. And I'm not gonna say and let me be very very explicit. I'm not saying that black society elevates people who are not that wonderful. Well, I feel I feel in a sense also what like black the black community has to think about really is being able to should I say control the narrative and image around black people. Okay. So um what do I mean? And I hate to use this whole, you know, example. To me, the Emmys every year is extremely it's is 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 both interesting and also very disturbing. The what? The Emmys to me every year is both interesting Why? and very disturbing. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. I know there's a lot of noise. But, um, but it, this won't happen again. This just happens yeah. to be an unfortunate day. I had family over, so please, you guys, please bear with me. But go on. Okay, yeah, so... The like, Emmys. Like I was yeah, saying. Yeah, that, that's what the they say. Every representation. Year, because, like, basically, like, sorry if I come up harsh mm-hmm. here. You have people who basically are millionaires, very well accomplished, basically... And even apart from that, to a very large degree, black entertainers and entertainment has done an incalculable amount to help this country do soft diplomacy and soft PR overseas. Yeah. So if it's a whole bunch of people who basically Worldwide, mm-hmm. they gave the United States a very good name. Yeah, turn you know United States culture into into a commodity worldwide. People are chasing yeah. around. Uh, did you hear about the Muhammad Ali? How blacks were viewed around the world? Dude, I think it was one of the one of I think it was the Olympics in in Germany. What and they said that I think like the black athletes mm-hmm. they they excelled so well that they they kind of changed the perception exactly. of blacks around the world. Yeah, um, but yeah, you're right. You're right. So and, you're so you're saying that there's been a lot of good done already, mm-hmm. and that a lot of it gets um, undone with these. With these, <laughs> we have move out. <laughs> come, come, Nyla, Nyla, come this way. Come this way. Step over. How you doing? Yeah, sit down right there. Yeah, sit down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, like let me actually give a very good. Like good example of like you know where, you know quote unquote quotes black entertainment does a good job internationally. Yeah. Even at the height of the days of um the Nazi Party in Germany. Yes. 
while Nazi Germany actually was copying Jim Crow laws. Yes. Nazis were actually listening to jazz. Interesting. Because they just thought jazz was that yes. good that they were listening to it. So like, yeah. like, like the main point I'm making is yeah. if black people in this country are basically the ones who are basically at the pinnacle of American entertainment to people say worldwide. Yes. Please do not go about begging for acceptance. Like, if anything, if you, like, if you feel that, you know, Hollywood isn't giving you your due, form your own parallel Hollywood. Tyler Perry. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. And, and in that Build regard, your table. Build that, your table. In that regard, I'll give Tyler Perry... Tons, much respect. Tons of props. Much respect. Tons of props. As shitty as his movies are? Yeah. Oh, boy. No, no. But, like, here, like here's the main thing. Movies which eventually become quality movies yes. that the whole world loves. They start somewhere. They begin somewhere, and yeah. then you improve. Yes. yes. And, and I'm not just shitting on Tyler Perry. I think Nollywood movies are even way shit here, by the way. But <laughs> but let me let me continue playing, because I'm, I'm with you on that view of representation. I think sometimes this stuff is overrated, too. Like... Like, well, you want a superhero? Like, the chi- the Chinese are the least represented people. I look exactly. at where they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I feel like priorities, man. Priorities. But let's but let's go on. Right. He Not goes on. Obama, but the representation of Obama was a very significant thing. For I think people. it was. Now little black right. kids say, "I can be president." That's a thing. Right. When we were growing up, when I was growing up, I was like, "Boy, you can never be president." That was a thing. My it's case. not a thing anymore. Okay. Right. And so, but that's going to take generations of kids thinking that this is possible. This is possible because there are glass ceilings that have been uh, perpetuated in, through our society. So when I when I say biases, those those are what I'm talking about: societal tropes that perpetuate racism, that perpetuate negative stereotypes, have been permeating throughout our society through this millennium. Yeah, and, and the, the problem is, <clears throat> and, and, and it per- permeates, you know, a, a whole bunch of societies, and it per- permeates our, our society on a macro level, but it also, uh, as you mentioned permeates the African-American community in a different way, in a negative way, uh, in a low self-esteem way. Um, and, you know, I, I think the problem that I'm having is, uh, okay, so if we did all those things, okay. let's say I waved a magic wand. This is where it gets interesting. Or became king or whatever. Right. And I waved a magic wand and I said, okay, all those things that you just said, Arian, uh, I'm going to do all those things right now. And then we're going to wait four or five generations. In, those, in that period of time, people are still going to be screaming about systemic racism because there's still going to be, incons- there's still going to be inequity. As they should. And so, no, they should not. <laughs> Did you hear that's that? Point. And that, that's a point that I'd like to talk about, okay? Um, because is it systemic see, racism? And he, like, he looks confused a little inequity? bit. Yes. Or, ah. So it. And that's where the whole thing breaks down because okay. you, you understand how unsustainable like, that is, right? Let me actually come in here, and this might actually be one of the most controversial things you're ever going to hear me say. Oh boy, this, Toby! This oh boy, <laughs> it's the two Toby podcast. Like I've, like I've totally, absolutely abandoned all these um arguments of black kids are X percent of crack arrests. White kids are X minus infinity. Disparity, disparity in outcomes. Let's, disparity like, in outcomes. Let's actually take that thing to its very, very logical conclusion. Like, mm-hmm. are people saying indirectly that everything must be leveled up? That's the thing. Equality of outcome. Because look, here is my issue. Like, let's assume that, like, you know, um, um, 
you know, black kids being arrested for crack yes. and white kids being arrested for crack was the same thing. Yes. Are we indirectly saying that we are not going to like be outraged at the whole policy of the war on drugs until, until blacks and white people are equally locked up in jail? People should should really take these things to their logical like, like really Like, yeah, to, yeah, exactly. And, like, when you really think about and, it, like, in order for, in order, but go on, yeah, you must say. I would even say one thing even more, maybe contra- controversial. And all of this talk of white people are Y percent, black people are Y minus infinity, infinity percent. Mm-hmm. You never hear fundamental things like, Black people have certain rights. They have a certain humanity. Even if it's only Y minus 1%, uh-huh. violating that humanity is wrong. You always hear all these, should I say, materialistic arguments of uh-huh. numbers, trying to impress people with, yeah. with numbers. numbers. And... Do not get me wrong. In a way, I feel that trying to chase that is a mirage which you would chase it forever. Is. That, because that's, and that's and that's because what's scary. Here because we'll never thing. ever get no, to that point. Look, look, here is a thing. And whatever area in life you, you say white people are, you know, Y yeah. percent or X percent. There will always be some no, level of inequality. No, no, there is an implicit assumption that that white people are always waiting for you to catch up with them. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That is a huge implicit assumption that 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 white people are saying, "Hey, black people, come ahead. We'll we'll wait." For... Look, in this world, mm-hmm. people are always going to move. So, which is part of why I would say we should put less emphasis on on all these arguments of, you know, the wealth gap is this, X is that. And simply, and simply be the effing best you can be, and be the change do, you want to be. And right. do not allow other people to determine what your standards are. That's my own. Agreed, but I think another point that I think I need to make in regards to that is, like I said, if we put a number to it, right? Mm-hmm. We're assuming that everything black should be represented in everything at at least a thirty thirteen percent rate. Yeah. See, I think that in itself does us a disservice because if we say that until it gets to that 13%, which is the population of blacks in this nation, right? If we say it's, there will always be institutions, because that's what he's implying. Mm -hmm. There will always be institutional racism until it gets to that threshold. Mm -hmm. If that's what we're saying, we're assuming that we're all a monolith and that the only reason why Blacks are underrepresented in some of these stats is because of that racism. And just like you said, it's going to turn into a mirage that we're chasing. And But until we actually deal with some of the other issues, mm-hmm. right? Some of the other issues that might be contributing to this, which no one is looking at, we're never going to get there. Agreed. And we're going to be in this perpetual state Agreed. of, well... We're still at we're still at five percent. Ah, institutional racism must still be. We cannot just point to the outcomes as evidence. You need to be able to show the cause and effect. And one thing else I would also say is, let's assume one day, yes, in all fields, 
Black people are more than um, 13%. Then what happens? Then Do we now say that, oh, it's skewed at that point? Well, well black people begin complaining when some other group begins saying, black people are overrepresented. No, it's time to pull them the, down. The blacks don't even have to complain. The, whoever is then now underrepresented, then ha- yeah. has to complain and say, well... Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But let, let me continue with this because I get it's it gets a, it's even a more interesting. It's a byproduct. What, what about... You see what happened so there? He, he, he said something and then he quickly took it back. Because he noticed that he made a mistake. I can be president. That's a thing. Right. When we were growing up, when I was growing up, I was like, boy, you can never be president. That was a thing. Right. It's not a thing anymore. Okay? Right. And so, but that's going to take generations of kids thinking that this is possible. This is possible. Because there are glass ceilings that have been uh, perpetuated in, through our society. So when I, when I say biases, those, those are what I'm talking about. Societal tropes that perpetuate racism, that perpetuate negative stereotypes, have been permeating throughout our society through this millennium. Yeah, and, and the, the problem is, and, and, and it per- permeates, you know, a, a whole bunch of societies, and it per- permeates our, our society on a macro level, but it also, uh, as you mentioned, permeates the African-American community in a different way, in a negative way, uh, in a low self-esteem way. Um, and, you know, I, I think the problem that I'm having is, uh, okay, so if we did all those things, let's say I waved a magic wand, let's say I became <clears throat> president or became king or whatever. Right. And I waved a magic wand and I said, okay, all those things that you just said, Arian, uh, I'm going to do all those things right now. And then we're going to wait four or five generations. In, those, in that period of time, people are still going to be screaming about systemic racism because there's still going to be inconsistent, there's still going to be inequity. As they should. And so, no, they should not. And that's right. my point. And that, that's a point that I'd like to talk about. Okay. Um, because... Is it systemic racism just because there's inequity? Yes. Or, ah, so inequity well, it's like it's a, it's a byproduct. racism. It's a byproduct. What about, so doesn't that completely of that. negate, you know, activity from the people? Doesn't that ne- completely negate, you know, se- uh, self-reliance? Uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Starts with an A. Autonomy. I mean, people no. are responsible for their own selves. I would disagree with that. See, this way it gets awkward. If we say that there is, if, if I take a billion dollars or some astronomical amount of money, he tries to ask and I say, another way. okay, I'm going to pump all this money and I'm going to solve every black person's problem. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to solve all the big problems facing the African-American community in a few generations because I'm going to pump everything that's needed into the system now. So those kids who are in that system now, they're going to get a fucking golden opportunity. Okay. Those kids that are poor and that have been victimized a long time ago by, and their grandparents age, they haven't been victimized, but their grandparents were those kids. They now get a plus schools, a plus libraries, a plus technology, um, child care for the mom okay but it's going to take a generation or two or three for those kids to move out for, for, for everything to equalize you would still call that a systemically racist a, a racist system <laughs> I don't even I, <laughs> I think it's a, a, it's a disingenuous way to pr- 
It's not disingenuous. So, I'm pushing, no, I'm pushing a, on it, no, what it, your definition of systemic is. Hear me out. It's a disingenuous way to, to, to pose that question, right? It's to say, is that systemic racism? Well, I would reject the premise that all things will be equal as soon as you pump that money into it. The reason why is because you have a lineage of systemic problems. So pumping money into it directly won't change things overnight. It's going to take time for those things to uh, come into fruition and those and those plans to blossom. <clears throat> and, and, and until that happens, you still have ha you still have to have a skewed system. We we are I don't, I, like this negative this, discrimination. You you want you're you're seeking discrimination against people in favor of black people. Bro, what? When you said you want a skewed system. No, what I'm saying, what I'm saying, that, and, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is until we have uh, proportionate representation, proportionate levels of, of income equality, See? proportionate, proportionate 13%, that, that's system, what he means, proportionate. Things, until that's the thing, the system will still be skewed towards racial bias. And, and until, the, so until again, that's the case. you're assuming... <clears throat> You're, so let me just make sure that I understand but this. I, I think it's just a non sequitur. What you're asking, systemic racism, what you're asking is, is that, what, you're, yeah. what you're asking is 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 the is the is the progression towards equality still uh, systemically flawed? No. What I'm asking is is there a cure for this problem? Y yes, okay? of course. No, there isn't. Okay, okay? because <laughs> there, there there is no cure. There, there, what you're telling me is that there's not going to be a cure for systemic racism in our lifetime. No, definitely not. Not in our lifetime, though. No. Uh -huh. uh, so that's... Uh, there you have it. So when are we going to address the other issues in the African-American community? And when are we going to... Wh when is this thing going to go away? When is this problem going to go away? So we have a system. We've taken away... I think you're tired of hearing people say that things are racist, right? Oh, I am. For sure. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't make well, you, it non-true or true. Well, you, we just need to log off then because... I I, I I would think that you don't hang around people who feel like this. So what you're doing is you're entering yourself in a conversation that doesn't uh, um, that doesn't affect you. And and when that's the case, of course it affects me. I'm how does human. it affect you? I'm a humanist. I care. Okay. Well, well, what I what I feel like is happening is you're it's it, you're diluting the conversation because right. you're that's really nothing much. But like, what are your final thoughts on that? Because that's do, do you understand what's going on there? Yeah, um, one thing I'll kind of say, and I'll kind of say in a way, I disagree with his premise that it might take four to five generations to solve quote unquote, you know, black issues and things like that. I believe a generation to, to two is possible. And I'll tell you why. Um, in, in the late 1970s, early 1980s, there was someone called Robert Higgs who began doing research on um, African Americans coming out of slavery. And he looked at data between the, the 1860s and like the beginning of the 20th century. And he said that basically in the history of the world, for people to have gone from dirt to basically health literacy in a 40-year period is probably unparalleled. Number two, in the 1950s, if I'm not wrong, the average, like, um, the average 
you know, job for like black people, where things like you know, housemaids yeah. and drivers. Today, it's mostly office like office people, like white collar jobs. Yes. So the premise that this things would naturally take that long to solve, I'm skeptical. Oh, okay. So you do think that there's because there's think, there's hope. Because think about it. For a people to have gone in the 1950s mm-hmm. from having, on average, the average um, job being like, you know, basically people who are maids and drivers. To have that was in a, the 1950s? Yeah, to a, to a precedent in the 2000s. That's, that is, that's something else though. That's that's something something very serious. Yeah, but but it, but the journey has been much longer than that. We have to yeah. acknowledge that it's been a two hundred plus year journey. Definitely, it just started in the nineteen fifties. Exactly, but I think in a sense, there is a pessimism in many of these analysis, and it's understandable. Mm-hmm. And um, there's just no answers for it, man. And I think. Like you saw what happened there. Yeah. There was no answer for yeah. it. No one. There, there, there's no. Based on this standard that 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 has been set, mm-hmm. and I'm using Ariane first as an example. I'm not saying he represents all of Black Lives Matter, yeah. but he, the points that he was making are a lot of the points that I hear a lot of the other Black Lives Matter yeah. people make. Based on that standard, it's gonna be, it's gonna be almost impossible to reach that standard. If, if the only way that we're trying to solve the problem is by addressing this thing that we're calling racism. Mm-hmm. Because the, the laws on the books have, have disincentivized racist, mm-hmm. racist policies. Um, we, we've made a lot of advances to fix a lot of these things. In some cases, we've even gone the other way. Like with Things like affirmative action, that in a way kind of skews things, you know. Um, and what these people are calling for is, I think, is more skewing of things. Yeah. And my fear is that the more we go that direction, the more disenfranchised other groups will feel, or the more targeted other groups may feel, the more resentment. And I think it's only going to lead to an even bigger racial divide in this country. I agree. And I would also, I'll also, I add, mean, we've seen elements of these things happen in places like South Africa. Very true. And and I'd also add something. And I mean, where remember they were trying to take away farms from mm-hmm. from the white farmers, mm-hmm. and like we, and it only caused more hatred yeah. between those groups. Yeah. And you know, like. One thing I would also say is, and we can even use Nigeria as an example. Mm-hmm. There, there's actually a new country on earth in which many of these policies have been tried, in which it hasn't created resentment. Mm. Because in Nigeria, it's called national character. What's that? Whereby, you know, um, Basically, national character is basically the, the same thing as this. Yeah. Whereby, in, in, in institutions, oh, we need to have in the a, educational system. The place should look like the country. So, like, the country. Like talking specifically about 
education in Nigeria. Yeah. The way national character is applied is different parts of the country have different cuts cut of marks and Yeah, the North has a much lower cut of mark yeah. for um for like jam and stuff like yeah. that. And God knows how many comments I've seen online. Very of, hateful. Of of Southerners attacking that thing. Now Yeah, and they call like I hear I see stuff like really hateful stuff about houses being dumb and yeah. this and that. Now, now people should just change the actors from being black Africans mm-hmm. <laughs> to white people mm-hmm. and from from the North being, to being African mm-hmm. Americans. And the same thing could be said in India, in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. The truth about the matter is, wherever many of these policies have been tried, the truth is, people who it, feel it, like... It causes more tribe, tri- tribalism. Yeah. Haven't taken... Because look at it this way. All over the world, wherever... These policies are put in place, whether it's in India, it's in Nigeria, it's yeah. in South Africa, it's in the US. Mm-hmm. The people who have to bear the brunt mm-hmm. are normally middle class people. Yeah. And what many middle class people, people would say is, well, we put down all the money, resources to train our kids, you know, we give up so much. Yeah. You it's going to cause resentment. And yeah. we're seeing it in, like, the Oscars, did you hear about the new standards that they put yeah. in place? We're seeing it in different parts, even in corporations. Yeah. We're seeing it. We're seeing, I mean, some of these things are, they're, they have good intentions. Yeah, their, their intentions might be good, but their effects But the un- unintended consequences, I don't think we're, we're, we're really thinking about no, it. It's where whenever we put quotas on things. One thing else I'll say in general is many people who come up, who come up with all these policies are never going to live through the effect. They, they won't. That's the problem. That's the thing. They won't. Man, we've been going on for a while. My, my, <laughs> we have to kind of wrap it up now. I don't know if you have any last words. What are my last words? Um, basically, we've been talking about the whole Brianna Tiller um, case. And yeah. um, what I'll just say is, number one, there are no easy They're no easy answers. answers right? and, they really aren't. They and really aren't. Number two, we should just like make sure that the premises we begin on are actually sound, mm. as we're saying with this video. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw there were parts where it, it just it was almost like there was the the pivot. You could see the pivot. Mm-hmm. You could see the pivot in some of the responses, mm-hmm. and that that's not to say Arian Foster. Arian Foster also made good, good yeah, arguments good points, yeah. in some in some of the things that he said. But I think it was be the question of how do you solve this? Mm-hmm. If we gave you everything that you asked for, would that would we be able to see? Would we, would we be able to say okay, the, the the debt is paid right there and then? And the answer is no. I mean, and- the answer is no. And if the answer is no, then the only other answer is to go even further by, you know, just like he said, skewing things mm-hmm. in the other way because. We felt like historically things have been skewed against black, so we True. have to skew things back. True. I think that's where the that's where, that's where things get tricky, man. And I don't think people have given it. And, I don't think people have really given this th- a lot of thoughts. I I also feel that like for many people that like because because that's really what what like, what's at the crux of the like, argument, right? Like the hard thing for many people to actually swallow, mm-hmm. and in a sense, I can understand where people are coming from, is. The whole rationale is the law wants disadvantaged black people, mm-hmm. so the law should then should then be used to remedy. And to remedy. I mean, all, all I'll just say is 
I'm deeply skeptical. Mm. And there, there are just a million reasons why I'm deeply skeptical the law can ever be used. Because for example, um, President Trump just came up, came up, came up with this whole his whole you know platinum plan thing or a platinum plan, yeah. yeah. Or you you call it personally. I have my own reservations, reservations, and like targeting black communities based on their it's not only racial black, makeup. It's not only black communities; it targets. It's basically brown. black and brown. Mm-hmm communities and let's even assume that yes it's possible to drop all these policies Mm -hmm. to rectify all these issues i kind i kind of feel in how do i even phrase this i kind of feel in a sense at the end of the day It's almost impossible to get all those laws in place. Okay, like, let's even come off, like, come from, like, you know, like, the assumption that, you know, it's possible laws can be put in place which, you know, would erase all the mistakes of the past, you know, 400 years. By the time those laws are being debated and you need to figure out how to pass the laws. Mm, It gets messy. It gets messy. You have to bring other groups on board. Other groups which try and get what they need. And then how do you specifically target the blacks? Are you you including the black immigrants? Like this, it gets very messy. Now, like, let's give a very good example. Affirmative action, for example. Yeah. People always talk about affirmative action. Yeah. And the truth about affirmative action is at the end of the day, Mm. affirmative action its biggest beneficiaries are not even really black people. Ooh. It's mostly white women. Debunked. Why is it debunked? It's been debunked. I, I, that's what I thought so until a few days ago. <laughs> it's been debunked. It's not. Okay. It's actually black and brown. It's actually... No, okay. so, someone had made the okay. comments okay. and then people have been repeating that comment okay. for a while. But it, it's been debunked. It's not... The biggest because, beneficiaries... Is because... In, because in, and, and, in and, the and, and we can fact check, we yeah. can fact okay. check but, that later. No, no. Like... Okay, like you even said black and brown people. Yes. And this might kind of sound controversial. Like, one thing I'll just say is I'm not a huge fan of this whole mythical people of color thing. Black mm-hmm. and brown people are in some coalition mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Some people feel the best way to really target the, this aggrieved community. Which have real, real, real reasons to be aggrieved from their past, right? Is if we, some people think the best way to do it is by labeling, I don't want to say label, or by putting, basically, we need to, they call themselves Eidos. Yeah, I know about Eidos. Yeah. And Africans, descendants of slaves. And And they're saying that if we can at least target that, we can start there to at least start. And because if we, when we say or say black, it, and it gets, there's a lot of black means and, many things. And I'm black. And that's actually part of um, the whole gripe of Eidos. And in a sense, I do actually agree with them about that whole thing. And to an, to an yeah, extent, because I, a lot I, of the I things agree, that they've done with to fix, to remedy those things, haven't really benefited them. I agree. Yeah, it and, hasn't really benefited them as much. Let me also add something. 
if you look at stuff like, you know, the, the civil right laws of the 1960s, mm-hmm. the voting right laws and things like that, let me just put it like this. Many other minority groups and persecuted groups mm-hmm. who naturally were never persecuted up to the extent of black people yeah. saw that thing and were like, wow, yeah, so saw a an opportunity. group can actually change the law? Yeah. So basically, since then... There has been a conscious effort to latch themselves yep. onto issues to do with, you know, black people and yep. form this whole correlation. And yeah. all, all I'll just say, because over here we are immigrants, but yeah. one thing I'll say, because I'm smart enough to be able to see the absurdities and the yeah. contradictions, yeah. I do not necessarily buy the whole thing that people of color, black and brown people, necessarily have can necessarily build a correlation together like the evidence yeah. it's not it's yeah the evidence it's not I'm just it's not gonna to work. Say. It, it, because it needs to be very targeted no, no. it is but well, we have to wrap up but, but let me, final thoughts let me just say this last people shouldn't mistaken yeah elites from like you know the black and brown communities yeah been supposedly been able to get along with with one another with that meaning that it it applies to everyone that's a, that's a key mistake people should not make hmm. interesting that's, like, that's one interesting way you put it like let me give a very good analogy yeah you know like the UK voted to leave the EU yeah and people are like you know very upset that wow you know Unity in Europe is failing. Unity in Europe will never work. Well, I'll just say, I don't pretend to be an expert on the UK. European matters. Yeah. Well, I'll just say that many people who badly wanted the EU mistaken European elites being able to get along with one another, going to the same schools, being able to speak with the same voices mm-hmm. to mean that the whole of Europe, meaning that Wretched working class people in Northern England mm-hmm. necessarily will be able to stand working class people in Spain. Yeah. So, 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 like one thing I always say: people from elite circles should never, never in their lives, mistaken what they say in their circles for real life. All right. Well, and with that, we're gonna call it a day, man. Um, man, you guys, please don't forget to subscribe to the Smiling Software Network, the, the YouTube channel. Uh, we haven't created a separate channel yet, so the Two Tobies podcast is going to be getting posted on the Smiling Software page for now, so please don't forget to follow. Um, we're going to be coming up with our own Patreon accounts, so we are going to be leaning on you heavily uh, for donations and um, and for you know even for ad spots. We're going to be open to that, and I think finally, you know. Because there's a lot of things that we want to do. We need to build up our studio. We need to get to the point that we want uh-huh. to get to. We want to build to even start interviewing other guests, right? Uh-huh. I want to build to, you know, interface with some people out there and get their thoughts on things. Um, so, but thank you for following us on this journey. And with that said, um, you all have a good one. Um, we'll probably be back in another week or two. Yeah. I don't know. It depends on Toby. I mean, I'm available next week, man. 
we I'll can, be here we, next week. Okay, we, we can we can do this again next yeah. week. But thank you very much. Um, and yeah, that's the Two Tobies podcast. And you all have, have a wonderful week. Goodbye. Thank you.